0: Have a problem? No, no, no,
1: no, no, there's no problem here. I was just hoping you might give me some insight into the evolution of the market economy in the southern colonies. My contention is that uh, prior to the Revolutionary War, the economic modalities, especially in the southern colonies, could most aptly be characterized as agrarian free capital. Of course that's your So you're a first year grad student. You just got finished reading some Moxie historian, a Garrison probably. You're gonna be convinced of that until next month when you get to James Lemon. Then you're gonna be talking about how the economies of Virginia and Pennsylvania were entrepreneurial and capitalist way back in seventeen forty. That's gonna last until next year. You're gonna be in here regurgitating Gordon Wood, talking about, you know, the pre revolutionary utopia and the capital forming effects of military mobilization. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I won't because Wood drastically underestimates the impact Wood of social Wood drastically underestimates the impact of social distinctions predicated upon wealth, especially inherited wealth. You got that from Vickers, work in Essex County, page 98, right? Yeah, I read that too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? Do you have any thoughts of your own on this matter? But you is that your thing? You come into a buy, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you pawn it off as your own. Is your own idea just to impress some girls, embarrass my friend? See, the sad thing about a guy like you is, in 50 years, you're gonna start doing some thinking on your own, and you're gonna come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 grand on a f- education you could've got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> yeah, but I will have a degree, and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-through on our way to a skiing trip. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but at least that won't be unoriginal. But, I mean, if you have a problem like that, I mean, we can just step outside. We can figure it out. No, oh, man, there's no problem. It's
2: cool. It's cool? Yeah. Cool.
3: I'm damn right, it's cool. Are you like, now?
2: Oh, wait, I'm sorry. And we also would be uh, remiss if we didn't play, uh...
0: like,
4: you know, bomb and Phantom go. all right why
2: hello it's uh three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and it's the month of november in the year of our lord 2007 thank you for coming along making uh, part of your listening day we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of am 970 southern state radio uh, this my friends is the rick emerson radio program thank you for coming along we're here in beautiful downtown portland oregon it is uh, Monday, and welcome to Day 12. Oh, actually, wait, hold on a second. It is Monday. Good day,
5: and welcome to Day 12.
2: There you go. Thank you. Somebody actually found that and sent it to me over the weekend. What's that from?
5: Good day, and welcome to Day 12. Uh, that
2: is, that's where I got my and welcome to Day 12 thing from. That's Bob McKenzie. I can never remember who was Bob and who was Doug. Bob and Doug McKenzie, who are this sort of fictitious Canadian comedy duo that Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas used to do on SCTV, and later on a series of American comedy albums, did this version. It's like a Canadian version of the Twelve Days of Christmas, and it's a whole lot of like five golden toques and a bunch of Canadian crap. Anyway, but when they get to date, when they get to the twelfth day of Christmas. Dave, I think it is says. Good
5: day and welcome to day 12.
2: And that's and I don't know why it crept into my vocabulary, but that's where that came from. So somebody actually isolated that over the weekend and sent that to me. All right, there you go. Fantastic. You got that. You got there. Uh, you got the day 12. You got the Goodwill Hunting. You got the Affleck. You the bomb and Phantoms. Yo, what else do you need? It's gonna be a great day. I can already tell. Uh, Hey, it's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. For your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, uh, your what have you. It's 503-733-2970. Richard Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the just plain monotonous. Uh, It's 503-733-2970. Seventy. Uh, you want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. That is Sarah with an H. Tim at am. Or Richie uh, with a T at 970.am. Uh, All right, we're going to get right to it today because the stack of things that I've got here, and then Sarah said the greatest thing to me before we even started the program. She said, what did you? How did you describe it? Sarah said, so "I've got three fantastic things that happened this weekend three, in no particular order." I have
6: three significant things, so I decided to write them all down on a piece of paper and name, number them one, two, or three because I think you'd care about all three of them.
2: Now, are you going to give them to us in the order of importance?
6: Oh, I don't know if I can rank the importance. Well,
2: okay, well you should think on it. Okay. And I got a whole pile of stuff too.
6: I think you might know the most important one.
2: I know. Well, I know the one you told me this weekend, but it's worth telling again. My wife also found it amusing. <laughs> so, uh, All right, here's what's coming up today. Here's the other stuff that we're going to get to. We got uh, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, uh, who will be uh, joining us from Washington today. We'll see if she got the vodka that uh, that we had low drop off for her on uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop. I know he got the Jack Daniels that we dropped off for him. I wonder if it's possible that Roop just kept it all for himself. I wonder if it's possible that Rupe just scooped it all up and took it all back to his room with him. Uh, so he is in Los Angeles today. Uh, and we'll talk to uh, Oregonian TV critic and general uh, lovable curmudgeon Peter Carlin today. Plus, top five, uh, we will spin the wheel of time. Uh, and I'm, I, Here's a little secret. The wheel of time, I already know what it's going to be. I know that that horrifies everybody and that all your assumptions about this program have been shaken asunder. I already know what today's top five is, and it's fantastic. Parts of it are fantastic. Parts of it are direct. Parts of it are fantastic. I'm going to turn it face down so that no one can look ahead. I'm going to say this. Today's Top 5 has one of the greatest songs ever recorded. I know that's a bold statement. Is there anything
7: by Cheap Trick?
5: I'm not going to say. If Today's
2: Top 5 has one of the best songs, really, like in terms of just flat-out glorious, wondrous pop, just a a song that's so great it can't even be described. It simply must be lived, must be experienced. Uh, so that's coming up today. Lisa Desjardins, Jim Root, Peter Carlin, top five. Um, we have another contestant for the second worst story ever. Todd the Corpse sent it to us, and I, I don't even really know how to handle it today because it's. Here's the thing, uh, right now. Now we have a new champion in terms of the second worst story ever. It's the story about the guy that went to the hospital and ended up with an eye full of maggots, Ugh. and uh, <laughs> which is eye full of maggots is going to be the new Cannibal Corpse record. I uh, so we've got a story today that I think. I think could top that, but I don't really know the best way to proceed. And is I, I don't mean to get ahead of myself here, but it's I've got the actual like the the you know the the, the printed story, the text story from the from the uh, from the station's website. It's from WCHS, which is in uh, where the hell is that? WCHS is in uh, well, it's someplace. I don't know where the hell it is. Uh, so it's from w- Oh, it's from West Virginia. Uh, so we so I've got the the paper story, but then I've also got I've also got the actual uh, the newscast that they did, where the reporter is actually revealing the disgusting, horrific details of the story. Mm-hmm. And I really don't. I might actually just take it out of contention. I might make it a standalone story and not even put it into competition because it's really kind of no. It's sort of dirty pool because I, because I do have the audio for the story, a story so vile, so horrific that it could only come during sweeps week. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so, so we'll play that later on. Uh, we got a taser watch today. Uh, Britney watch. Oh, let's see, what else? Oh, and, and, and really some, just just a whole lot of weird crap from this weekend. I mean, as the weekend goes on, I sort of take up, I'll take up my, you know, my, my phone, my Motorola Q, and I'll just make, make little notes to myself about things that have happened to me over the weekend. And just a whole pile of weird stuff. A bunch of strange emails already. It's only Monday and I got all these weird emails. Including some about... I'll just say this one. I'm gonna read this one email here. Now you know we have uh, Richie Bristol who's back there manning the phones. Now Richie, we find weird things out about him every single day, and the people have already taken a real liking to him. They've taken a real shine uh, to him, as uh, as Lucas Jackson's mother would say. So A, Richie apparently has been hit with a stun gun at some point in his life. We got to talk to him about that. B, he has no sense of smell. C. And I'm, I don't mean this in any offense, Richie. And I'm not saying you're I'm not saying you're, that you're an unattractive or non-lovable person. But the ladies real seem, seem to have taken a real liking to you already, uh, because we got this. Good morning. I would love to take Richie Cologne shopping. Um, you know, blah 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 blah. Let me take him out. Let me freshen him up. Da And then there's this whole this woman. I, I won't give her name, but this woman emailed, asking. I mean, really beseeching us, pleading to take Richie Cologne shopping, and I won't give her name because the weirdest thing is this. It's an ear, it's, it's an email that comes to us from Clear Channel. Her name is da-da-da-da-da-da-da at da 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 clearchannel.com. So I have no idea who it is. I don't know her name. Tim, does this name, does this name seem familiar to you? Sarah, look at this woman's name. Do you know that name? I don't think so. And I Googled it, you know, in, and I got nothing. All I, When I Googled it, all I got was, like, a bunch of family trees from, like, dead people. So, anyway, but it's somebody from Clear Channel who emailed wanting to take Richie cologne shopping. It's all very strange. Huh. Uh, and we have not one but two potential Richie Bristol Sounders uh, to get through today. So, we got all that coming up. Uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today.
8: A heavy snowboarding is in effect, and chains are required on Highway 26 in the Mount Hood direction if you're going to Government Camp, wherever that is. They got 16 inches over there so far. The investigation continues into three shootings in North Portland over the weekend. Hillary heckles a heckler. Florida, Florida Representative Bob Allen is found guilty to having public bathroom sex. Mr. Whipple will be squeezing the Charmin in a better place after passing away oh, over the weekend. Oh, really?
9: Ew. He's
2: squeezing Charmin. He's squeezing the Lord Charmin now.
8: Mike Tyson is sentenced to a day in jail. Scott Bayo is 46, still single, and shamefully, now with Dad.
2: Is that it? Yeah. Your inflection left me wondering. I couldn't tell if there was one more or not. All right. Uh, all of that, plus a Taser watch, a Britney watch, Hick watch. Fantastic Hick watch today. Uh, and a religious nutcase watch. Uh, before we do anything else, before we get to Sarah's deal, because Sarah's going to take up a whole lot of time with this, I can already tell.
6: No, I'm not.
2: No, 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 it's fine. I mean, it, I'm sure that they're wonderful
6: stories. Well, this is our last day together, too. That's true.
2: We should address this. So, uh, so we are here today, obviously. Um, so I am gone for the next couple of days, although Tim and Sarah will be here. So tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday, the twentieth. Um, tomorrow and Wednesday, um, Sarah will be here. Tim will be here, and uh, Tim, you'll be doing new news segments, and you and Sarah will do the you, you bantering back and forth, uh, and then we'll have uh, some selections from previous Rick Emerson shows. Only the finest. I, well, let's not oversell. I, uh, I was I was putting together the best of. Oh, wait, well, let me let me finish this. So I'm gone tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, And then Tim and Sarah will be here, so we'll have uh, news and stuff scattered throughout, as well as some some you know some some best ever segments. And then we are back, and by we I mean me. We will be live on Thursday Thanksgiving. Uh, We will be live this coming Thursday for our annual Thanksgiving program, and then we're live again on Friday. So we will be live Thursday and Friday. Now this is kind of confusing. This is so confusing. I know it's very difficult. I'm going to put up a thing about the log about
8: it.
6: Wait, so you're going to do your show on Thursday and Friday without Tim or I?
2: Well, it's not my choice to do it not. without... It's no. That's not my yeah, first good choice. Luck I'm just saying sometimes people aren't all on the same
8: page. Sarah. Am I supposed to leave Grandma alone at the piano? <laughs> <laughs> on what? Thanksgiving. I don't understand what that means.
6: Does your Grandma play piano?
2: She does, every Thanksgiving. Are you going to be with your grandmother on Thanksgiving? Yes. Really? Sure. I didn't know there was uh, grandmother, Steve, Riley. that's
6: what people do. They actually go and spend time with their families now, on please, holidays. I
2: don't mean to be morbid, Tim, but I thought all your family was dead. Oh, well, some of them returned during
8: the holidays. What How old the, can, the, can I ask her? She's a grandmother? zombie grandmother. I don't understand. Oh, no. Uh, well, I, my she was invited. I don't know if she's super super or Maybe I'm making this whole thing up. <laughs> I really don't know.
2: Well... I'll just keep it that way. So
6: You know, everything about Tim's the mystery? it's better to not even know. I don't want to know. I hope s- he has like a 120 year old grandmother.
2: Soil your $2,500 sofa. Um, okay, thanks. Um, sorry, with the moving cost. Uh, it yeah, came
8: with two complimentary pillows. Uh,
2: I would hope so. So, um, so yeah, we're here today, and then we'll be doing our Thanksgiving show and our Friday show. But as far as tomorrow and Wednesday go, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be gone. So I was assembling the best of over the weekend. And some of them are, you know, there's some stuff that, uh, you know, you would expect. Like, I think the Peter Chris interview is going to be part of that. And, um, but I was listening, and there's just, like, the weirdest random sentences that I would hear during some of the best-of segments. Um, just bizarre. Like, at one point, I don't even know what, what context, I was just flicking through to make sure that the audio was fine and that the files weren't corrupted at any point because they're digital files. And I landed on one section. Sarah was busy saying, I've just made the decision that I'm not going to like you anymore. I don't know to whom you were saying it. I don't know why you were saying it. I don't know what the reason for that statement was, but that's in one of the best of segments. Um, there was another best of segment where somebody was on the phone saying, well, have you put her side by side with another person just to see if all her internal organs are the same? I don't even know who he's talking about there. Could be you. Could be Brittany. Could be Paris. Could be Tim's 120-year-old grandmother. I have no idea. So... Anyway, so there you go. So best ofs tomorrow and Wednesday, then we're back on Thursday and Friday. Um, We're talking about Scott Bale. Let me read this one real quick email before we talk about what everybody did uh, over the weekend. By everybody, I mean Sarah. Where did I put this? I got this from several people today. Okay, here we go. This says, you nailed it. my friend." This was on my uh, blog as well. Uh, Somebody put this on my MySpace blog. Hey, you nailed it, Rick. At 10.07 on Friday, November sixteenth, two 2007, the E channels, the Soup, had Beowulf featuring Scott Bayo. There you go. Something of that we were making that joke a week ago.
6: That's awesome. The Soup is funny.
2: Yeah, no, the Soup is fine. I don't That's know who good. that. We're on the same page. Who is that guy that hosts the Soup now? Do we? Is he from anywhere? Or is he just from the Soup? Is that all he's done?
6: I think he's been in a couple like crap B movies. The, the, Nobody so sure. ever talks about that show
2: anymore. No, you know my wife watches it, and so I watch it because it's all, it's often it on. It's time. No, it's it, I mean you know obviously I'm sort oh. of a Greg Kinnear loyalist, but I mean that is like twenty years ago though, so I've moved on. Uh, but um, John
6: th- Henson, I had such a huge crush on him.
2: Now see, when was what era was he? He
6: was right after Greg Kinnear. Okay. He was the guy with like the the skunk patch on the side see, of his head. I think that's about the time that I quit
2: watching it. Well, I does think. You mean the guy that made the Muppets. No, that's Jim <laughs> Henson. Um... Yeah, so the, so the soup is sort of like Biggest Loser and The Hills and Gossip Girl. I just sort of know about it because it always seems to be on in my home, so...
6: All right, so the host's name is Joel McHale.
2: All right. Now, he's a funny guy. I just I think that the era of the soup being a launching pad for new and exciting talent, I think that time has passed.
6: I think that passed with the, you know, with the blossoming of the Internet.
2: And also with, uh, with Greg Kinnear doing Dear God. That's when that all kind of came to a head. Uh, all right, so here's, real briefly, here's what I did this weekend. So uh, thanks to, I mean, I don't have any vested interest. I don't know why I'm thanking people. But everybody who came out to the Grindhouse Film Festival on Saturday, which was fantastic, Jesus god if you were at Grindhouse the Grindhouse Film Festival at the Hollywood uh, theater on Saturday uh, and I saw uh, some of our friends there um, it was just unbelievably great best eye gouging sequence in a movie ever by the way so there was a great eye gouging uh, actually two great eye gougings uh, there was a great uh, there was a great head explosion at one point there was a really fantastic uh, disemboweling and then there was a great uh, a great attack by zombies on fire so if you came to the Grindhouse Film Festival, you had a really great time. I did not stay to see Black Belt Jones, um, but, the, but I was able to see, for the first time in a long time, I was able to see the 35mm trailer for Blackula, which was, uh, which he, who is Dracula's soul brother, which was great. So uh, yes, yeah, so the Grindhouse Film Festival uh, happened this weekend. That was a lot of fun. What else did I do? Oh, so I made this note to myself because I didn't want to forget about this. We were talking about our good friend Dennis uh in the moments leading up to today's program. So as you may know, uh, Dennis does a show right here on this very fine radio station on Saturdays from nine to eleven called Miles Around. So I came in Saturday morning because I was doing some work and you know because I'm going to be gone for a couple days. So I was trying to catch up on everything. So I went back and forth about whether to share this with everybody. Oh. That's a lie. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go back and forth at all. It just like
6: you have a soul that you thought about it for like a second. I
2: didn't think about it at all. I wrote it down for myself. This is something you may or may not want to know. I'm going to put it to a vote right now. Tim and Sarah, do you want to know what I'm about to tell you? Tim says, sure. Sarah?
6: You know, Dennis has already given me great detail about humping his then-future oh. wife, honestly. Thanks. Thanks for that. Oh, I, thanks I'm for already tainted. It. Like, it's already... All right. Something out of a
2: clock. Totally. He's all, he's all Sunny Corleone with the bridesmaid. Um, playing too much bocce with that young girl. All right. Here's something I didn't realize about this program. Uh, and when I say this program, I mean Miles Around that airs on Saturday. I didn't. I didn't realize something about this piece of automotive broadcasting that Dennis does. So uh, James Robinson runs the board for that, and of course our friend F Matt Peterson sits right over there in Tim Riley's chair, pitching in his part. Dennis and I should say this as a preamble. Dennis sits in my chair, so this really will horrify me more than any of you. Do you know that Dennis? Something happened in your chair. Do you know that Dennis does the program in his pajamas? <laughs> Here's what Dennis Wait, what, was wearing. What
6: do you mean by pajamas? Here's like...
2: what I mean. I came in on Saturday, and apparently this is a frequent occurrence. Um, I uh, I came in on Saturday during a break because I had I'd found a piece of audio that I thought they might want for the program. So I came in, and I see Dennis sitting right here. I mean here where I am now standing, wearing like slippers, like you know like bedtime slippers, uh, slippers, and huge like pajama bottoms. Like 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 red, not felt, but whatever that is, you know, like red fleece pajama bottoms, and they were so big on him. Which they were so big on him that they looked like those hammer pants from the eighties, like those muscle pants that guys would wear at the beach. Red
6: fleece? Do they have the elastic on the bottom? Please say yes.
2: No, no, they didn't have no, so they were all big and roomy all the way down. It was all very unnerving. So Dennis, what was he
6: wearing on the top?
2: He was wearing a wife beater. So he's wearing a wife-beater, big red fleece, pajama bottoms, and slippers. And I know that 9 o'clock is kind of early and all, but I mean, that's apparently what he does. And here's the other thing. He has this weird nervous tick when he's on the air. And you know the wife-beater. He hooks his thumbs behind each of the straps, sort of like you would do with suspenders, like in an old 1940s noir film. Guys, like, hook their thumbs behind their suspenders and go, like, well, let me tell you how it is. Dennis hooks his thumbs behind this, like the straps of his wife beater and sort of pushes it together so you get the big nipple shot. So there you go. Think about that. In this in this chair about 48 hours ago, Dennis Pittenbarger in his pajamas and a wife beater. Showing off his nipples. Showing off his nipples. Everybody dwell on that for a while. Ugh. All right, there you go. All right, it's 503-733-2970. I have more horrific observations, but I'll save them for later. Um, oh, apparently today we will be talking not to Jack Klugman, but we are real briefly going to talk to his son Adam because I guess Jack is not going to be in town today. Uh, but we, but I I, do, I am legitimately curious as to what he's up to. So we'll talk to Jack Klugman's kid Adam. But for he was supposed to be minutes. here, wasn't he? He was supposed to be here. It's not going to happen. We'll find out why. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not trying to tease, but we'll so we, the original we'll information was right. correct. Yes, yeah, no, it's, it's, yes, it is. I am acknowledging that now, Tim. You were right, and all the haters were wrong. Yeah.
6: All right, and about am... to give
2: up on that fight. <laughs> We're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan Why, Hello.
6: Hello. I am still working on uh, that potential guest sometime between 1 and 3 today. Oh, well. is that today? Uh-huh. Damn,
2: I forgot about that. A mystery guest. Okay, we don't know yet, but okay.
6: All right, so I think I put them in order in my mind. <sighs> okay. I'm going to talk about my weekend. Hi, I did lots of things this weekend. Hi. I'm. Um, well, my apartment flooded.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. I yeah. mean, it's horrible, but it must have pleased the landlord. It yeah. It sucks. How and... did it flood?
6: Well, um, my upstairs roommate, Jet. Um, Jet? Jet. Yes, yeah, she's a roller girl. Okay. All right. J-E-T-T, so her name's Jet. J-E-T-T. J-E-T-T. Okay. So uh, next to her toilet, there was like this, um, you know, this tube thing that I guess the, the old plumber didn't put it into the floor as far as it should, and it just um, it popped <laughs> open
2: <laughs> Tim, all of a sudden, Tim, of course, is a homeowner.
6: So she hasn't noticed for a while, and I'm in my I, I'm in my living room. I'm just sitting down to watch a movie. I just woke up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch a movie, have a nice casual Saturday. I hear the dripping. I'm like, did I leave my shower on? And I, I run into the bathroom. The shower's off, but I'm still hearing the dripping. Run into my kitchen. I see the slow dripping uh, from my ceiling. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Ha ha ha. I have a little slow leak. The dishwasher or the washing machine upstairs is running. Maybe that's it. So I go upstairs. You know, turn the water source off to the washing machine, unplug it, and everything. Not uh, done. Still dripping. Then Jet's like, well, I'm gonna take a shower really quick. She's like, and if you don't see any change in you know any of the water, <laughs> then it means that it's probably not the pipes. It's probably just some you know some water that's gathered in there. I'm like, fine. So she takes a shower, gets out. Everything's fine. Um, I'm in my, um, I go back in my living room, I hear this drip, all of a sudden it sounds like someone turned on a faucet. And I run into my kitchen she just went. as I hear a string of profanities, like, oh my god, get up, get up here. I run right. upstairs. It, there's water squirting everywhere in her bathroom. Uh, it's turning floor. We can't get into the basement apartment because they're all separate units, and the girl is at work. Of course. And so she has the main water main. We call um, the real uh, the rental company. They never return our call. They showed up this morning at 9 a.m. she just wanted to punch so, somebody in the face. So
2: you and she both rent in this, in this complex? We rent
6: in this complex. The homeowner's very cool, very nice, but she lives in California. The, of course,
2: the best part is Tim, of course, who is a slumlord in his own right, is just cringing as he hears the story of, I'm sure, you know, it's nobody's fault. But, it, you know, I mean, it's the plumber's fault. But this of, of this tenant having a, a water leak that just can't be turned oh, off.
6: Oh, it was awful. So it's What's leaking.
8: $10, What's yeah. that, Tim? Well, $10,000. Oh, it, it was nonstop. Just to the ceiling. So, <laughs> yeah, so the water's all coming
6: through her floor into my ceiling. That one crack turns into... My entire ceiling starting to rain. I have to yeah. turn off all of the lights because it's, and it's blistering. Everything.
2: The paint is blistering and yeah, bubbling. It's still, yeah,
6: it's sagging and it's still dripping uh, right now. Wait and then, for that
2: bathtub to crash through the ceiling.
6: Oh, and the worst part is, so there's a girl who lives below me, too, had to break of into course. her apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Almost had to break a window, but thankfully she left a window open, so I had to crawl through her apartment. It's all my... Her, like, all the water from my ceiling to my floor is leaking through her ceiling. Her ceiling's already crumbled.
2: Oh, Jesus.
6: Yeah, there's, like, water everywhere. That's wonderful. Blah, blah, blah.
2: God damn.
6: So that's what I dealt with all day Saturday. It really sucked. Best day ever. Best day ever. Jesus. Then um, later that night, went to a hotel bar, and um, they were having a private party, and uh, this lady was really rude to us and tried to kick us out. Well, she did kick us out, so we decided to... um, stage an attack on her and the party, a couple of my friends did, and as she went to the bathroom, we barricaded her in the bathroom, and then ran into the party, and it was this huge, it kept, oh, I shouldn't say, it was a huge bank Christmas party, uh-huh. and they were so mean to us, like we were trying to order drinks, and she was just like, you need to get out of here, you need to get out of here now. Wait,
2: were they mean to you before or after you barricaded someone before. from the organization in the bathroom? Before, the so the, bar- the bank. Yeah, seriously.
6: Yeah, she was mean, her name was Kathy, and... um so we were getting drinks the bartender's like we can get you drinks but you just have to stand out in the hallway there are a couple of tables out there you can't be in here it's right. like, you know it's a really nice bar but it's a private party so we're out there plotting and feeling all bad and Kathy comes in she's like oh that's too bad you guys have to sit out in the hallway cuz it's really beautiful in the bar in there and I saw and it, something snapped in me and I saw this huge coat rack thing those rolling coat racks and um, we were almost all done with our beers anyway so I run for the bathroom and like find the coat rack and get a huge like armchair stick it over the coat rack you know between the right, bar thing right and then there's a big potted plant, and so we stick the plant on the chair. Jesus. And then like, we're just like, go. And my friend Heather uh, propped open the elevator. We ran into the room, like gathered as much free food as we could. Oh, you barricaded
2: things. her in like your Jake and Elwood Blues.
6: Just... So, yeah, we got as much food as we could. Then we, yeah, and then we ran out of the That's wonderful.
2: Themselves. Excellent.
6: And then on Friday.
2: This is the big one, right? This is the thing you already told me about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this, this is a great story. Do you feel like you have to give any backstory to this, Sarah? I
6: don't know. I don't. I shouldn't say who it was.
2: Okay. That's fine. It'll
6: probably be apparent. Okay. I'll stand so, by that. Okay. Well, I went out with some friends on Friday night. It was on Hawthorne. I'm like, okay, well, I'm ready to go home. I decided, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a hot dog from Zach's Shack before I go home. Now, so, where is that at? Uh, Zach's Shack's on like 47th and Hawthorne. Okay. okay. Across oh, I know Zambos. where that is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's really good. They have really good veggie dogs. They actually have this thing called the Veggie Dylan dog, yeah. which I love. So I went there. I'm walking there all by myself. I've been with friends all night long. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to walk. You know, get a hot dog. Walk I'll separate home. from the
2: pack for just a moment.
6: So I'm walking up to Snack Shack. Right next to us, there's this um, like Asian cuisine restaurant. Right. And I see these two girls standing outside, and all of a sudden I hear a, hey, hey, bitch. <laughs> what are you doing? She's like, I hear, like, I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call you back. And she's hanging up her phone, and I look.
2: And it's a... It's
6: maybe an unnamed... um, A
2: Portland uh, on-air personality? Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps. Who we will not name.
6: Yes. And her and her friend were sitting there, and she's like, and she's like, hey... Why are you talking all that stuff about me on the radio? <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Was she content. swaying
2: or just sort of leaning?
6: She was swaying and she was like staggering. <laughs> and I have never like that girl to be able to. She has like said many untrue things about me to many people in the music industry and in the radio industry. So that's what I So She's like, why would you? I'm like, you know what? I, I Can I can tell you? Can I, I can I recreate
2: yeah. what you said? Please do. This, this is the way you described it to me over the weekend. Uh, When you were confronted by this, uh, would you say drunken in your estimation? Yes. Oh, yes. When you were confronted by this drunken uh, Portland on-air personality who came in, Why are you talking all this s about me? As you described it to me uh, this weekend, and this is just like the proudest moment ever, is that you just walked up to her and said, You are a bitch and no one likes you. F you. (laughs) And then just walked off.
6: I was like, you are a drunk bitch. You never have anything nice to say about anybody. I know for a fact that you've made up a lot of things about me for no apparent reason. When I've done nothing to you, I'm like, you know what? What you did is something that you actually did, and I didn't do anything. F you. And then I just kept on walking. I didn't really break my stride. And I stuck up the middle finger, walked into Zach's shack, and then I got in there, I'm shaking, like, oh, my God, what did I just do?
2: And then he came out?
6: And then I came out, and I, I talked to maybe a friend of the person who uh, she didn't remember five minutes later. Yeah. She called him all upset, like, I just came up to her and said, you know, you really hurt my feelings uh-huh. and why you were saying that mean stuff. Then the best part was my friend called uh, the next morning. He left me a text message. He's like, I just got the most hilarious message. It says, ha, ha, ha. He's like, I got a call from this person saying she's so sorry that she's running late because... Um, because it's 7.15, she slipped me at 7. She thought it was 7 p.m. and of course. not 7 a.m.
10: Well, that's good that she's not
2: drunk. It's good that <laughs> yeah. she's not too drunk to tell time. That's wonderful. So
6: that was, uh, yeah, I'm kind of nervous what a, what about a, the neuro now. What a
2: weekend you've had.
6: It was a fun weekend. It really that really was. was. That was on Friday night, too, so that was just the beginning. Jesus.
2: All right. I don't know that I have time to get to anything else here. Let's see. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, except to say this, and then we got a break, and then we got some calls. Um the picture of Tim Riley is now hanging in the lobby. <gasps> hanging in the lobby of CBS Radio Portland here at the uh, Portland, uh, the, our, our East office. If you go up into the lobby, there's a big picture of you. It's actually, I think, the biggest picture in the lobby, except for the horns across the Hawthorne photo. I uh, I walked up there and Dave Zinn, there was a gold record for the band Sponge, who had that hit uh, oh. years ago. That's and... And I walked in there and Dave, Dave's sitting down going, I'm sorry, Sponge, your time is over. And like setting it in a closet. Uh, and so there's a big picture of you, Tim, now in the lobby of our, our radio station. Oh, is
8: that here. the one that's like half my face? Yeah, it's like yeah.
2: you look all big brothery. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's up there. All right, it's 503
5: 733 That's oh, a guess, great
2: a uh, couple of these here and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
5: Hey, what's going on, Rick? How what's, you doing, What's man? up? Hey, so, uh, this weekend, I, I, uh, I actually sent you an email link, that I know sometimes you can't get to your, uh, your emails when you're on the air, but I found, you know, I know it's kind of a beat up subject, but the video that should not be named. Yes. I was on this, this website, uh, just kind of stumbled across it. Joe Rogan from Fear Factor.
2: Right, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's his, it's his reaction to it.
5: Yeah, and not even Joe Rogan. And
2: take it No, yeah. If, if Mr. Fear Factor cannot take that video, then it's Brian. Uh, Brian Jones, our engineer this morning was like, uh, the director of engineering is like, hey, what about that horrible video? What? Where? What's the link to that? And I said, you know, I said we don't want to talk about it. You don't want to see that. And he's like, well, it's not. if it's still on your page? And I said, no, no, no. The link is gone at this point. And he's like, well, I, I really would like to see it. And I'm like, you know, you really don't want to see it. It's not a thing you want to see. And he's like, well, it's. Uh... And then Dave's in, of course, at that moment appears in the hallway. Brian, I'll be happy to show you the link to that, as long as you access it from home. And so anyway, so Brian will be yeah. scarred by that about this time tomorrow. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, one of my uh, coworkers, he, uh, you know, we were talking about it. You know, he's a loyal listener of your show too, and uh-huh. so he, he actually called me on Saturday, like wondering if I had seen it, and you know, of course I did. And then we were talking about it, and this other coworker was like, "Hey, what are you guys talking about?"
2: Oh uh, yeah, and, see, that's how it begins, and it replicates yeah. again.
5: And I said, you know, you really don't want to know and finally after he just kept badger me as I, was, I was like, look, there's the link. Go check it out, you know, and let me know know what you think. Right. He didn't talk to me for two weeks.
2: Excellent. Well done. It is a good way to punish anybody that you need you know, feel needs to be punished, sort of a passive punishment you can give them.
5: Yes, all it right. is. Thank Thanks, you, sir. Thank you, sir.
2: All right. Uh, this email says, Hey, uh, so Sarah barricaded the door. That is hardcore. I want Sarah on my team when the zombie apocalypse comes. Anyone who can block a door with the enemy all around without fear is good in my book. Uh, all right. Oh yeah. Anyway, there you go. All right, we should take a break. Um, coming up around the corner, Lisa Desjardins later on. Tim Riley, who is preparing news for us, we'll have a Taser watch, a Britney watch, Jim Roop, Peter Carlin, a fantastic top five, and uh... we'll talk to Richie about being hit with a stun gun. uh... You say there's the uh, Rick Emerson. Hi. Okay. There was a time when I felt the need to say not sorry. While 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 telling those stories. Apparently, that time has passed because everybody, and it's not Daria, of course. But everybody, I think, has figured out that it's not her. All right. Why, hello, it's 503-733-2970. 503 503-733-2, 733 pouring herself into a Catwoman costume. Uh, did you ever see those
6: photos? No, I looked for them. I, I need to get a copy. Is it at the Willamette Week?
2: I hate for this to sound like one big slam book session or something. That, no, she actually looks great. It's uh, It was in the Willamette last week. Uh, it was Daria and who, whatever her, uh, her fiancé, I don't mean to be rude, I just don't remember his name. Brad. The guy. He's some, he plays, plays a sport of some kind. Don't call it, I don't care that much. Anyway, so it was uh, Daria and her fiancé, but they're getting, you know, there's something where he's like wearing, he's dressed as, I don't know, he's, he's dressed as Hawkman or something and she's dressed as the Catwoman or whatever, but it was like, Anyway, so it was basically an excuse for the Willamette to boost readership by put, uh, publishing a big photograph of Dari in like a skin-tight rubber suit.
6: Byron is so gushy about her too.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I know. This, yeah, he's got a he's got a whole weird, he's got a whole weird gay love for her. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent, the one and only Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Lisa. How are you?
11: Hi, guys. You know, I uh, got kicked out of a gay club a week ago. Did I tell you this? for wearing high heels.
2: No. Well, okay, let's stop now. Uh, a, <laughs> no. B, that's fantastic. C, you have to share every detail with us. And D, I think the last time we talked to you was... Well, no, no, no. We talked to you before. This is your, brother's, uh, yeah. your brother and his boyfriend or his partner, and they had, they had come to town, and you told how you had once lived with three gay men, and so you kind of knew the lay of the land there. That's right. Now, you, we talked to you before and after, but you neglected uh, to share with us the outkicking that happened.
12: I can't believe it,
11: yes. You know, apparently there, there is a, a very well-known gay club in Washington, Washington Washington called Cobalt where they do not allow women in with high heels, and there is a whole uh, schism, I guess, in, in, among the gay community over whether this is just outright misogyny in the gay community or if it's uh, because they were sued by a woman who fell down the stairs. Okay. So but either way, it's it's kind of fantastic, and I really I spent a good time. I tried every angle to get in that club, and they were like, "Honey, you're in the wrong place."
2: <laughs> oh, damn! Sorry. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this: Are pumps and high heels the same thing?
11: Uh, you know, I think of pump being a very specific kind of heel. Like it's not, it's not quite as high. I have a specific image of a of a shoe that's a pump, but I guess you could use it to refer to any high heel, really. But All I don't right. think people do.
2: By the way, I can just with my mental, i I'm picking up now mental vibrations. I can't talk today either. I'm picking up sort of <laughs> yeah. tremors in the atmosphere. And I am right now sending a message to all of the foot fetishists in the Rick Emerson audience, and I am denying their request to ask any specific questions about your footwear. So there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna rebuff those questions.
11: Hey, I have to thank you guys. I actually tried to call earlier, but it was the uh, the show before yours, and it just got all mixed up cause I don't have the I didn't have the right number to get you before the show. But how great was it when I walked into my Las Vegas hotel room, dragging myself in late? Thursday night after the after the debate you know, just having that uh, film of uh, you know, uh, I don't know, catered bad CNN food, and then there, there I have a beautiful guard and two fantastic uh, mini bottles of vodka.
2: Well, that is a gift from all of us at the Rick Emerson family to to you. So, oh,
11: it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I was like calling people on the East Coast who were at that point asleep and being like, "Hi, I've got vodka in my room." You know.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad we could help. Um, our uh, our good friend uh, Keelan uh, helped us. Uh, alias Lowe, uh, helped us out with that. Uh, because... Oh,
11: fantastic thank you much
2: he uh, and he sort of knows uh well he knows you guys because he's you know he's the big listener and then uh he had He had come to Portland for our last listener party at which Jim was also in attendance. And so he and Jim, I think, actually went out drinking or something or Uh went dining and drinking after that listener party. And so he's sort of, you know, like in the loop with everything. And so we called him. We're like, hey, we've got this. Lisa and Jim are going to be in Las Vegas. Now, you have to help us deliver some alcohol. Uh, And then I got this great email from Jim Rupert, like, I don't know, like one or two in the morning. He's like, it was like, I think part of it was in all caps. It was like, thank you for the Jack Daniels. I am putting it to good use right now. Roop. So, (laughs) anyway, that's so, uh, anyway, so, well, we're we're glad you got it. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, I I would be remiss if I did not ask you a couple of questions uh, about the debate. Right. uh, Because we tried to get a hold of you. I don't mean to sound like I'm kvetching here, but we tried to get a hold of you the following day, and it, it was sort of perplexing, and I'm not asking you to either condemn nor uh, defend. I'm simply saying it seemed a little peculiar to us, and by us I mean me, that, that they would fly you to Las Vegas, they, they, having you there covering the debate, and then, of course, you're on a plane the next day before you can actually talk to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. So, in any
9: event.
11: A bit of that may be your East Coast bias is that because I, I actually I was doing live shots up until 11 a.m., but that at that day that and then I then I jumped on the plane and got back because the next plane was going to get me back home like at midnight and that was part, partially my fault that I said hey can I go two hours earlier you know and and so that was partially my bad. Uh,
2: there's just a couple observations and I know we were, like you know d- 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 like a hundred days behind on this but a couple of things a how great was that line undoubtedly planned by Hillary when she said you know they're not uh, piling on because I'm a woman they're piling on because I'm ahead, which is just like the showstopper line of the evening. Um, it and,
11: was. It was a great light, and it's one she has practiced in other uh, appearances. Before. I just,
2: you know, I have to say this, and this is just me putting forth a slice of creepy editorial uh, comment. Boy, Hillary is just hot, just so white. Especially when she's just when she's just mean and brutal like that. <laughs> there's just something about Hillary, just the idea uh, that if you crossed her, she would just have your legs broken. I mean, they're is just. Sort of
11: vague, is it sort of in a vague dominatrix kind of way, or is it more? It's more like a mafia. Mafia it, woman kind of way? No, no, no. It's,
2: it's kind of like in a hot Cruella de Vil sort of a way. Oh, okay, all right. You all know right. what I mean? That she's just she's just ruthless, and there's just something kind of sexy about that. So, anyway, the, the I other... I wouldn't tangle with her, yeah. No, no, I mean, she knows people. She will have you stuffed into an oil barrel and kicked off into the Hudson. Um, the other thing was that great line that Hillary had when she said, and she had to have... Thought this out I mean nothing happens on television by accident, and she had to have thought this out and not only thought out how the line was going to sound but thought out what the Republicans or whoever might say in response uh, when she they were talking about the attacks on her, and she said. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, and I am very comfortable in the kitchen. Yes. And that is great on, like, three different levels, especially because when you think of Hillary, you don't really think of domestic happy homemaker. Right. And she had to have known that there would be some sort of people giving her a little bit of guff about that line. But, of course... Even if they do, all it, it's such a great line because it's funny and it's sort of ironic, yet no one can really criticize her for that line because if they do, it just sort of makes them look like, uh, it, it, it does sort of make right. them look sort of sexist if, they're, if they pile onto her about that line. It was just incredibly well done, a great Masterful. performance.
11: Yes, it's true. And it's funny because she really has been using both of those lines out on the campaign trail <clears throat> for weeks now, uh, but she really picked her moment because, you know, she had been, she'd been, uh, you know, playing nice really essentially especially i think especially for you you knew it was building up inside her to to really punch back at these guys but she'd been playing nice up until thursday and it took literally two and a half minutes for her to just punch a big right hook how at the, one of those guys um
13: a couple other
2: observations a joe biden was really great um
11: he does really well in these debates and at most every debate uh you hear people walking away from the hall saying hey uh, Maybe I should think about Biden, and you just it's just—I don't think it lasts. I think a week later they say, "Ah, eh, he's not going to win," which is too bad because he's right. If he got more attention, people—if people thought he could win, uh, it's, and that's just a perception issue. I think he'd be a real contender.
2: My wife actually made an observation that hadn't really occurred to me, but because at one point I was saying what everybody else said, which is like, well, it's just Hillary and Obama. Why are these other people even there? Why are they wasting their money running for president? And she just said, as though it was the most obvious point on earth, and maybe it is, and maybe I'm just not too bright. She just said, well, you know, with the, 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 all of these other guys, you know, th- they're not even there running for president. They're just there auditioning for Hillary. <laughs> And you know, and maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe there's not. Um, is is the, is my uh, read on Obama correct in that he is he proves to be really good on the stump. He's just no good in debates.
11: He is not as good in debates. And I think he's. I think, but it depends on who he's up against. I think he, the combination of him and Hillary is just not good for him because she she takes charge of the tone, and then he he's trying to catch on to her tone because he's as it does he hasn't debated enough to really I think have his own kind of uh, debating de- his, his own defined personality and debate. So he he's trying to kind of follow her lead, and it doesn't work. So if she's angry or if he's trying to be a little more angry, if he's trying to be more on the offensive, it, he, I think he just doesn't have it in him uh, to go on the attack the way that she does. And she does it like you've said before, you know, kind of with a smile in a way that you you do kind of admire, like, wow, all right. I'm I yeah, have this devil wears Prada right on, Hillary. I,
2: I really have this theory that if you were to peel away a section of Hillary uh, Clinton's skin, you would find a metallic exoskeleton. No, endoskeleton. <laughs> yes. I've blown the joke. But you know what I mean? I, I think know,
11: she's, yes, yes, yes. She's a P one thousand. Obama just doesn't have that. And and I, but I think say you put Obama up against someone else. I mean, you know, I think Obama versus George Bush would be fascinating. I think you'd have a whole different dynamic there. He's a
2: great speaker. He just doesn't have the sort of I was going to say brutality, but that's that's too harsh. He just does not have that go for the jugular sense that you it's get not, off of people. No, which
11: is too bad that that actually hurts him because you would think, yeah. oh, maybe we want a leader who's not interested in that so well, much. You know
2: what? I will say this, and this is I, I do believe this. I think I am. I think I'm kind of ripping this off from somebody else. I think I'm paraphrasing somebody else. But somebody said that there's two sets of qualities uh, in in human beings. There are there's goodness, generosity, virtue. Uh, selflessness and then there is the other end of the spectrum which is selfishness greed avarice being mm-hmm. atavistic and while we admire the first in sort of an abstract we admire the results of the second oh, so interesting maybe i made that up myself um final sure. thing here because we should actually talk about something happening today um so what is up with what is up with pakistan is it is, is, i mean is, is it still just like you know one television station and one radio network and pictures of our glorious leader musharraf everywhere
11: right well we know that At one point, at least over the weekend, they were allowing uh, two independent television stations on air. Funny that that point was also the same point when uh, John Negroponte was there visiting on behalf of the White House.
2: Just a coincidence.
11: Yeah, just just a coincidence uh, that they did open up those channels when he was visiting. But what's interesting, Negroponte sat down with Musharraf, and uh, apparently no changes whatsoever. Negroponte came out and said, uh, this current state, this emergency order, is not... Compatible with democracy and free and fair elections, but that 's the toughest thing the Bush administration has said so far, and it 's really kind of a no brainer you almost want to say, duh, yeah, so Musharraf is still saying that uh, he intends to have elections in January, but meanwhile, his Supreme Court that he has approved and remember this emergency order started uh, in part when he decided to kick off the the country 's Supreme Court. Now he's replaced the Supreme Court with with people he wants on there now.
2: Just like his brother-in-law. and like, right, right, I'm not yeah. sure.
11: And, uh, and that Supreme Court, no surprise, has ruled in Musharraf's favor now. This happened uh, just in the last couple of days. In fact, just in the last day. Say, dismissing uh, all these claims that the past elections uh, were unfair and also dismissing uh, lawsuits saying that he cannot remain as president.
2: Fantastic. So...
11: Yeah. So that's kind of the situation. It really, uh, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't really, you could, you could write this stuff. Actually, often you say you can't write this stuff, but this maybe you could write.
2: You know what's really helpful is that this serves as a blueprint for exactly how I will proceed when I decide to put myself as grand irremovable dictator of America. <laughs> if it's just really. I'm just going to follow. I'm just going to trace this diagram. So uh,
11: you know, I would say you could get a lot of votes, but you wouldn't need votes. No. Which-
2: Oh, of course not. Oh, so a there's a place, place for you in the Rick Emerson cabinet, though, Lisa. So, <laughs> you will be remembered when the time comes. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, enjoy Thanks. the rest of your day, and uh, I'm glad you got the vodka. I'm, I hope that that uh. provided, uh, what is the word, S- succor, sustenance something, is it whatever, succor, I think is the sure. word. Yeah. yeah, yes, anyway, yes. Anyway, so uh, I'm glad you guys got that, and I'm glad you uh, have a safe for it back. We will uh, have speaks yes, with you in the immediate future. Okay, Dougie. Right, thank you, Lisa. All right, there you go. That's Lisa today Oh, I forgot to tell her I was going to be gone for a couple days. She doesn't care.
7: Uh, oh, right. of course she cares.
2: Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, I'll just uh, put you on Tim's mic over there. Our good friend, uh, Sarah Wagner, uh, from uh, upstairs. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? <laughs>
6: Hi. Doing well. Uh, Sarah made cookies, too. Really? Yeah. The one, I thought you threw them away, but you just put them on the window. So oh, are well. these from you? Yeah. Well, I she can- made them.
2: Really? Yeah. What really kind good. of cookies are they? Chocolate. Okay, excellent. Thank you. I can't eat during the show, but I will be eating those at 3.01 today. Okay. All right. There's really not a huge reason as such for you to be here. I just wanted you to come on and repeat the question that you asked me. This is just so everyone in the audience can feel as old as I do at this moment. (laughs) Um, I would now, please now to be repeating the question that you asked Tim and I in the kitchen.
7: Okay, but you have to, oh, who is the... What's his name? It starts with a W. I don't even remember. God damn, I'm
6: ancient. <laughs> Mr. Willie or something? Mr.
2: <laughs> Willie. No, that's that's something else. That's on our HD channel.
1: Oh.
2: Uh, we Tim was noting, I think how it happened is that Tim went into the kitchen to microwave something, and you were there having lunch, and Tim yes. said... You said, how are you, Tim? And Tim said, well, it's a sad day. Mr. Whipple died.
6: Whipple, that's his
12: name. And
2: then you said...
6: Who is Mr. Whipple?
2: Tim then said... I'm now reenacting the whole conversation. And then Tim said, he's the Don't Squeeze the Charmin guy.
6: Like the toilet paper Charmin?
2: Yeah. Do you know what Don't Squeeze the Charmin is? No. Jesus Christ.
6: Do you know, Sarah?
2: Someone to come and shoot me in the head.
6: Yeah, what is it?
2: (laughs) Well, you'll have to be listening to find out, won't you? God damn, I suck. All right. There you well,
6: go. thanks for having me on. Yeah,
2: that's what I do. That was really it was a. Big, Sarah also
6: <laughs> did give us a humorous anecdote. Big overture, little show. About uh, the story we were talking about earlier. About an
2: unnamed broadcaster, mm-hmm. an on-air, uh, an on-air Portland personality.
6: I just heard. I don't. By the way, she had no know. reason to cry. We didn't I don't know this
7: person, but I heard that you guys made her cry. <clears throat> <That's what clears throat> I'm, I heard. I'm
9: sorry, I had something in my throat just there.
6: See, if you get emotional after you drink a bottle of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I,
9: I had
2: something. And what I had in my throat were her bitter tears. It tasted like so much sweet wine.
6: I do feel bad. I don't want to make her cry, but... Yes, you do. Yes, I do. (laughs) But, I mean, all of a sudden I go into a store, come out, she's gone. I'm just saying... What are you implying? I'm not implying anything. Are you
2: implying...
6: I'm implying the person with her was her designated driver. Of course. Yes.
2: Because we know that uh, safety is of the utmost priority Mm -hmm. to all of us, including her. Mm. We know that to be true.
8: Mean, mean people. I haven't said anything. Making people cry. That's
2: not true. Well, it's all (laughs) part of her rock and roll lifestyle. All right. Uh, Sarah Wagner. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. All
11: right. There you go. Bye, Sarah. Bye.
2: Okay. Uh, Well, let's take a break here, shall we? We'll come back. Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Later on, James Rube, Top 5. Peter Carlin, Adam Klugman. And the second worst story you've ever heard. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
0: (laughs)
6: Oh. Did you get this email from Richie about his idea for a bit?
2: No. Is he entering Scotty Chain territory already?
6: He sure is.
2: Let me see. Let me look.
6: It's no. an email called Smells Like Fun? No.
2: No. Would you like to forward that to me, or do you want to read it? I can just read it really quick. Okay, this is from Richie Bristol to you.
6: I have an idea about a bit. You guys can pick three chicks to take me shopping. I will take these chicks separately to sponsored places, and they each pick a cologne. I take back the colognes they picked to you guys. You guys pick your favorite, and that girl who picked the cologne you picked wins a prize, or a date with me.
2: (laughs) I like the way you think, Richie Bristol. (laughs) Way to be a team player. Richie Bristol smells like
9: team spirit. <laughs> it's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
8: There it is in Town as Mr. Whipple.
9: Okay, I thought you said something
8: else. What did you think I said? That's no, not important. Mr. Whipple is dead.
9: And those women see how silly they look squeezing the Charmin bathroom tissue? They'll cease. (laughs) Oh! Charmin. It's so squeebly
11: soft.
10: Irresistibly soft. Mm, and that gentle fragrance.
9: Oh, no. Spoiled again. Ladies, please. Hey, don't. Squeeze the Charmin. Charmin bathroom tissue. Squeezably soft.
2: All right, so let's. Uh, here's your snuff watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson Show.
8: He'll be missed. Mr. Whipple is dead. The man who played him in the Charmin commercials has died. Dick Wilson made, please don't squeeze the Charmin, a household phrase.
12: Hey, Mr. Whipple, there's a new Charmin feeling. Hey, Mr. Whipple, there's a new Charmin feeling. It's a fluffier feeling. Oh, hey, Mr. Whipple, there's a new Charmin feeling. What is this? New Charmin.
9: It looks bigger.
12: It is. It's fluffier. There's never been a fluffier tissue. Go on, measure it. All the way around.
9: <laughs> it's almost a whole inch fluffier. <laughs> oh,
12: and feel it on the softest part of your hand, the back.
9: It's fluffier.
12: And the fluffier the tissue,
9: the gentler it feels to your skin. <laughs> it's so creepy. Everybody's going to want to feel
1: it. You <laughs> Charmin's got a fluffier feeling. And the fluffier the tissue, the gentler it feels
11: to your skin.
4: Lady! (laughs) Face it, Mr. Whipple.
9: This is new Charmin. There's never been a fluffier tissue. And the fluffier the tissue...
8: The gentler it feels to your skin. Jesus, that sounded like Vincent Price at the end. (laughs) He was a classic actor. His tiny fangs caused
2: creeping ulcerations of the skin. Uh... So, God, I have so many thoughts about Mr. Whipple. Um, a, I thought he was dead like 20 years ago. Not, I, he was 91. I I swear to you, I thought, I would have bet you any amount of money. I would have given you 99% odds that he had died decades ago.
8: I've never seen a biography on his life. No, because really, what did he do? Did he do anything but that? Well, you probably know. He was know. also Captain Gruber on Hogan's Heroes. I don't
2: even know who Captain Gruber was. I remember... There is not Captain Gruber. I don't remember that at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, it must have been so... You know, we see Mad Men and we sort of have this romantic picture of that era. It must have been so easy to be a copywriter uh, back in the... When was that? The 60s? 70s? That was was from
8: the 70s because that was in color, but he started in the 60s.
2: It must have been so easy to be a copywriter then because everything was just bad. Mm -hmm. All the copywriting, all the commercials were so obvious. They were all so terrible uh you know it, it's just you know not everything was like that it's not a wheel it's a carousel every that's the exception. all of the other commercials were just crap and the idea that they could run here's something that doesn't happen anymore you know, it used to be that a product could get one catchphrase or tagline, and man, they would run it into the ground for like a hundred years uh you know and they will just find one thing that works and they will never abandon it and I know that there's some sort of prudence to that there is some logic in finding a catchphrase that works and using it forever. But, I mean, do you get the feeling it's often just because they can't think of anything better and so they just continue to run with it? Let's think now of a product that has used the same tired catchphrase forever.
6: Nike, just do it. Oh,
2: no, yeah. But that's not that old, actually. That's 15 years old. But, I mean, it. I, I think. But in terms of advertising, that's actually... Roto-Rooter. What is the Roto-Rooter catchphrase?
8: Uh, the way you go, troubles down, down the, the drain. drain. Roto-Rooter. Yeah. No, there's that.
2: Um, God, I was thinking of one just the other day, actually. Well, I guess maybe there aren't that many, because I'm actually not even thinking of it. So there you go. There's don't, don't squeeze the Charmin. So
8: he did 500 commercials for Charmin. What? Five hundred commercials. How is that possible? How,
2: how many variations on "Don't squeeze this"? Can you?
8: I, I'm not sure if this is correct. It says five hundred commercials for Charmin between 1964 and 1985.
2: That's like when you read those stories that Johnny Cash recorded 700 albums or something, and you just kind of you get. So, so because Sarah Wagner and actually Sarah Dillon don't know. Don't squeeze the Charmin. Don't squeeze the Charmin was an ad campaign by the Sharman toilet paper company, and I'm not going to expand upon this next thought, but. Ads for toilet paper are kind of weird when you think about it. I mean, it's just—I know that there's there's basically there's one ply and there's two ply, and they're scented and there's none. Beyond that, I mean, really, I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean,
8: what what is there to anyway? So I, I guess maybe because uh, the two Sarahs don't know about these, is they stopped in 1985. However. Ebony, who works in promotions at Abuba 107.5, who's also a member of that younger set, does remember them. So maybe she saw them in reruns somewhere. Well, the, and the deal was, uh, and it's probably, it's possible that like TV Land or
2: somebody yeah. has been The deal was, the, 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 the Don't Squeeze the Charmin was an ad campaign by the Charmin Toilet Paper Company. And Mr. Whipple was this fictitious uh, grocer. And the deal is, women would go to the grocery. And by the way, this just this depicts how little advertisers thought of women at the time. The women were just helpless because Charmin was so soft. Women could not stop themselves from, like, full-on groping the rolls of toilet paper. And Mr. Whipple, who was just a joyless prig, would come out and Mr. would say, Don't squeeze the Charmin! And women would be like, Oh, but I can't help it. It's so soft and succulent and, you know. And you know he'd... how crazy women are. Of course, because they were all, like, these weird house mm-hmm. And so Mr. Whipple would just get incredibly incensed that the women were repeatedly squeezing the Charmin. And you know, but like all of these things, it worked. I mean, it was an ad campaign that
8: really was effective.
2: Uh, and so I don't know what their ad, what their share of the of the, the toilet paper market was beforehand, but I'll guarantee it at least doubled. Probably. So,
8: so I wonder if Mr. Whipple was replaced,
2: like a, by a later Whipple. Yeah, I think there was like the a son of Whipple. Did well, they
6: replaced the brawny man?
2: I think. Well, I think there was actually a son of Mr. Whipple at one point. I do think one of the commercials. Why do I know these? I these think they're like
8: Mr. Whipple two T O O.
2: I don't think it was that there was a new Mr. Whipple, but I do think that one of the commercials had, like, Mr. Whipple and his son, and the gag, of course, was that the son looked just like him but younger. Glasses, mustache, same thing. So I think that there was, like, Junior Whipple
8: or whatever. In this uh, commercial, Mr. Whipple is on the prowl for Charmin' Squeezers.
9: Duffy, you're supposed to watch for Charmin squeezers. I'm watching, I'm watching. Stay alert.
8: Yes, sir. He hired somebody.
12: Charmin bathroom tissue. Yeah. Charmin, it's so squeezably soft, I can't resist it. We're brainless. Deep down, squeezable softness.
9: These are all step by It smells good, too. (laughs) This squeezing must stop, Duffy.
12: Oh, but he couldn't resist it.
9: Not every man can. So I
10: see, Mr. Whipple.
2: Really? Yes. That was interesting. hmm Was that Uncle Arthur who was squeezing the Charmin? I don't know. Sh- so I see. <laughs>
3: okay,
2: can you back up and just play that one section again? Let's go start
3: Duffy, you're supposed to watch for Charmin. So this is another
2: I'm another
12: watching, worker. Taylor, yes. Yes. An Oh, fella. Charmin bathroom still. tissue. Yeah. Charmin, it's so squeezably soft. I can't resist it. Ladies, please.
11: Deep down, squeezable softness.
9: And it smells good too. <laughs> this squeezing must stop, Duffy. Oh, but he couldn't resist it. Not every man can. So what I are they trying to well, say there? So I see. <laughs> Jesus!
2: I'm gonna eat your bones.
8: These well, we commercials we don't get are the kind of tribute to Mr. Whipple every day. After tomorrow, these will all be forgotten. It's true. Well, there'll be a whole, you know, that'll be a,
2: every hack program like us will be, you know, doing the Whipple watch, and then it'll be, then it'll be done. He'll be relegated to the dust of forgotten pitchmen. All right. Uh, are these? Let me see. These are Mr. Whipple calls. I bet they are. Uh-huh. There are a lot of aficionados out there. Hi. Ah, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
14: Hey, Rick. It's Jeff Klein. Jeff Klein. How are you doing? Klein. Now,
2: it's weird that you are calling. Here's why. Because, uh, not that you're not a good person, but I haven't thought about you or spoken to you in many, many, many weeks. Um, probably the last time I really saw you was at the uh, the, 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 the uh, Soapbox Derby that Sarah was in. Yes. And yet, so, this morning, I was walking around the house and I was waiting for my uh, my the shirt that I'm wearing now that I wore to work, my button-down, to be done. And so I was walking around wearing one of the shirts, wearing one of your poker dealer thing shirts. And it, I, I, I came out of it. Jeff, okay, this is not a this is not a. I am not, a, <laughs> not there being a, the, the paid to say this is not an endorsement you know, for consideration. But so Jeff sells this this poker blind button that actually doubles as a as a blind uh, counter, a blind timer. Correct. If people play poker, know what I'm talking about. And the front of it. The front of the shirt just says in big letters, deal with it, exclamation mark, which is sort of a play on words. And so I was walking out of my uh, home office this morning, and I'm wearing this big deal with it shirt, which is like in a double XL or whatever. And I walked out, and my, my wife my wife came out, and she looked at my shirt, and she said, what is that? And I said, I was sort of, you know, sort of mocking the catchphrase, and I said, deal with it. And my wife looked at me, and she just went, you're retarded. And then she walked away. So there you go. Yeah, anyway.
14: Everybody comments on the shirt at the worst possible time when you're in a grumpy mood and you're just you're frustrated with them and they just say deal with it and it, you, it looks you have like, to smile. But
2: it looks like something that a fat Walmart customer would be wearing, but like as a personal statement. You know, like one of those shirts that says, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, one of those. You just like you just didn't make any sense at all. Um, how can I help you, Jeff? Well,
14: I used to live near Mister Whipple. He was about on the other side of the block from me.
2: Wait, in what city?
14: In San Fernando Valley, I think it was North Hollywood. What so, street? <laughs> what
2: street? What street was this on? We have to know.
14: Oh shoot! That I, was, dumb can't, That's I right. was in third or fourth grade. I can't even remember on Elm, I believe.
2: Now was now how was he old at the time? He must have been old at the time. He would have been. Like, I what, thought what, he was a hundred years
14: old then. I can't believe he just died.
2: <laughs> Did you ever talk to him? Did you ever call him Mr. Whipple?
14: Well, now, here's what happened. He'd always have toilet paper, of course. That he'd be tp with Charmin on his Oh, house.
2: I never even thought about
14: that. Really? Didn't we? Oh, yeah.
5: could be cruel. <laughs>
14: <laughs> oh, that is both great and terrible. So we were too young to do that kind of thing, but we would walk by his house and he would just scream out of the window at us for no apparent reason, just because he didn't want any kids... Near his house, so we'd always after that we'd walk on the other side of the street because in L.A. you could walk to the liquor store and get all your candy at the liquor store. So
8: yeah, there was a liquor store at every corner there. Yes. So
2: I never even thought or about the poor, uh, the tormenting that Mister Whipple must have received from neighborhood children. You never think about these things at the time. The untold story of Mister Whipple. That's <laughs> true. The tragic. There really ought to be like some sort of, you know, Mister Whipple's private hell.
15: <laughs> and it was another world.
14: We lived down the street also from the Brady Bunch house.
2: Oh, from the yeah, the actual Birdie Bunch House, which is still there still actually. There. Yeah, yeah. So
14: excellent. Many thanks, Jeff Klein. Thank
2: you.
8: All right, there you go.
2: Deal with it. All
8: right, Well how about another Mr. Whipple classic?
1: There. Let them squeeze these soft animals. Maybe they won't squeeze Charmin bathroom tissue.
7: Aha, Mr. Whipple's giving us some squeezing substitute. It won't work. <laughs> I'd rather squeeze Charmin. <laughs> Me too. Charmin's so squeezably soft it's irresistible. I
12: only squeeze Charmin. It's got a squeezable softness that's rich and fluffy. Soft fake of teeth.
2: Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Why don't you squeeze the animals instead?
6: Why don't you, Mr. Whipple? I...
2: Is this all, like, thinly the veiled thin, sexual innuendo? Yeah,
6: course, not even thinly veiled. Well, that was the first you one. you like that, to squeeze
2: it, lady. Would you like to squeeze my animals instead? Even and desperately Sherman housewives. <laughs> um, the, and then the other one with the guy, you know, I can't resist it. Not every man can. Studies find that up to 10% of men can't control themselves around the Sherman. Well, these and,
8: commercials have never been studied. No, it's true. So, Mr. Whipple, you should be happy that we're taking a look at these finally. <laughs> there They're are works of art. There is all kinds of weird subtext to this now
2: that I'm hearing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be just doing the stupid Jerry Seinfeld observational humor uh, kind of thing. But, I mean, now that I think about it, what is the point of scented toilet paper? I mean... Well, everything in the suburban home back then had to be scented. I guess, but I mean, that really, just as we said the other day, we were talking to Richie, that really is like, this isn't like putting perfume on a pig. This is like putting pig on perfume is what that is, having scented toilet paper. That just sort of seems to be, that just sort of seems to be a waste. Perfume is what that is. That's like putting, in, that's like putting perfume on grandma right before you bury her. They're just, I don't understand. Well, all right. Do we have any more from Mr. Whipple? Uh, we might. All right. Let's see here. Let's get another Mr. Whipple call. When we're waiting, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Mr. Whipple is dead.
3: Hey, Rick. Hey. Hey. Um, a couple things. I had a uh, maybe it was a great uncle in the ad world, but um, apparently toilet paper advertising in the '60s really difficult to broach that topic. But uh, the scented thing and the soft thing was really a subliminal way of kind of catering to women and kind of getting in there and doing all that stuff.
2: Well, I don't really know I mean, what you mean for Charmin or for toilet paper in general?
3: Well I think toilet paper in general, but I think the Charmin campaign really found a way to say what they were trying to say without actually saying it. And I uh, kinda you know, I can uh fire academy back in Maryland and we have what they call John Wayne toilet paper and I'll make it appropriate
9: It's got bark. Thank you, sir.
3: <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah, that's fantastic.
11: Lady? It's Vicky Dugan, Mr. Whipple, the movie star. He's squeezing New Charmin bathroom tissue. Please don't squeeze the Char. We can't squeeze New Charmin. Why should she? it could been resisted. It's a squeeze. squeezably soft. Mmm, Gregory. Christ is gentle, too.
9: Just squeeze it at home like everyone else. Can't blame her, though. Mr. Whipple! New Charmin bathroom tissue from Procter & Gamble.
8: Now, if these were sample cast on radio,
2: it's just very strange. You know what these commercials are all like? These commercials are all like those episodes of Three's Company, where Mr. Furley would hear something happening in the bathroom, but he couldn't see it, and so it sounded unbelievably dirty. Like Jack and, Jack and Chrissy are hanging a shower curtain or something, and all Mr. Furley hears is like, It's not long enough. It won't reach. You have to unroll it first. That'll get it in there. That'll make it long enough. Hold on, Chrissy, get this longer. You know, and it's just... It, 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 that's what these all sound like. These all sound unbelievably dirty. And Mr. Whipple kind of... Well, he's dead, so I can say this. Mr. Whipple kind of looked like a dirty old man. He did sort he of did. look creepy. He might look as though he might be offering your child sticks of candy. That's all I'm saying. He I mean, he had the most beautiful housewives patronizing his little market. Of course. And wanting to squeeze his charm and unable to control
8: themselves from doing so. Mm-hmm. So... Well, that's the way women were back then. <laughs> they were all nutty. Batty, a lot of them. their husbands knew. Well, they were <laughs> way at the office of New York, what they were up to.
2: Whiling away your time, squeezing toilet paper in the aisle.
6: He is kind of... He's confusing. just sort of
2: weird looking. You know what he looked like? He looked like um, Uncle Charlie on My Three Sons, but with glasses. You know, he—that's you could sort of see that. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, damn it, Ernie, I told you not to squeeze the Charmin. It's the only way I could get at my uncle... Uh, my Uncle Charlie impression. Well, now there needs to be a, a Mr. Sherman film
8: festival now that he's passed away.
2: Maybe the Hollywood Theater could have one. And was he the only person ever... I can't yes. believe we're ringing... He's the only Mr. Whipple in history. I can't believe we're squeezing this much material out of Mr. Whipple. Uh, so he was the only one to play Mr. Whipple? Yes. All right, there you go. And he
8: was re- he's was he been replaced by animated bears.
2: Really? Yes. Isn't that what Cartman's mother calls it? When she says, like, do you have to go make bears? I think that's what she, I think that's what, how, that's kind of weird. All right. Anyway, uh, so, Mr. Whipple, have we have we wrung every last bit of
8: observation out of this? Um. Well, Mr. Whipple was uh, 91. And he did 500 of these commercials. He was a
2: hundred. Mm-hmm. 500. Yeah. Well, all right. Anyway, well, he was the uh, he was the Geico lizard of his time.
8: I and that. in the late 70s to early 80s, a competitor named Hoffmeyer came along, who encouraged his customers to squeeze the charmin and scolded Whipple for his hypocrisy. A uh, Proctor and Gamble survey found that Mr. Whipple was the third best-known American, behind recently ousted uh, President Nixon in 1973 and evangelist Billy Graham.
2: <laughs> How sad that that's probably true too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know the speaker that says? No, here's Mr. Whipple. Oh, I know him. That's wonderful.
8: In the nineties he returned to Charmin with the various commercials involving why he would not re rehire retire. He was eventually replaced by the Sherman Bears. Okay. So he was the only one. So there you go.
2: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Whipple is dead. Is dead at ninety one. Grim Reaper squeezed the life right out of him. I'm sorry. You know why those ads are so terrible that that is the last gasp of advertising uh before Stan Freeberg's influence kind of took over because Stan Freeberg was the guy who kind of started the whole notion of the truly funny radio and television commercial mm-hmm. not just sort of stupidly amusing but uh, truly witty that is the thing that Stan Freeberg created and um in in, the, in in the in the decade following the introduction of Mr. Whipple, sort of the Freeberg type commercial would uh, would sort of consume everything
8: All right uh here's Tim Riley well, the man has been convicted of first-degree murder, and the killing that arose over a dispute over a Beatles poster. Although his defense attorney said he was bullied into the role of killing. Daniel Smiley Lyle, who's 19, faces 25 years in prison for the murder. Who's smiling now? Uh, let's see. Testimony during the two-week trial showed Smiley Lyle helped strangle Robert Budd Johnson, whose body was pulled from the Spokane River. I'm happy there's one more monster out the street, says Johnson's half-brother, Brett. A uh, key witness against Smiley Lyle was Robert Entel, who pled guilty uh, with prosecutors and was sentenced to 25 years. Now, prosecutors said the two men plotted to kill Johnson as a favor to Entel's cousin Kathy, who lived briefly with an older man, a relationship that ended with him asking her to return the framed and autograph Hard Day's Night Beatles poster he had given her. When Kelly refused, Johnson and a friend reportedly drove to Entel's house and took the poster. Entel and Smiley then planned and carried out the killing of Johnson. All over Beatles poster. The two became friends at Morningstar Boys Ranch, where they were placed as teenagers, and later practiced martial arts and fantasized about creating their own militia.
2: Well, it is Spokane. <laughs> yes, it is. Really, <laughs> all pieces all go together. I right? was just going to say check, check, and checkity check. All right. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. sir, or Madam is the case maybe.
15: Rick. Hello. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question about some news that's going on, see if you guys knew anything about it. Probably
2: the, not. Yeah, the, the answer is almost certainly no, but go ahead.
15: <laughs> hey, uh, just down there on Schultz Ferry, there's a school in lockdown
3: over by Washington Square.
2: What school is this? Do you know?
3: Oh, uh, Whitford Middle School.
2: Now, are you making this up? No, I'm not. We always have to ask. Whitford Middle School, and it, how, what leads you to believe it's, uh, it's in lockdown, sir?
3: Uh, my mom works there, and she called me and wanted to know what was going on, and I... Calls the there? best oh, newsman. Let me ask
2: you. Your mom works there, and yet she called you to ask what was going on.
3: Well, they're in lockdown. They can't hear nothing.
2: Oh, I suppose that's true. Good point. Uh, <laughs> touche, sir. All right, uh, Whitford Middle School. I'm looking into it as we speak. Appears to be in lockdown. So we will look into it. We'll uh, we'll report as soon as we know, sir.
15: Well, thank you, Rick. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Tim Riley. Have thank a good one. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. Right.
2: Bye. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
15: Hey, this is John calling. I wanted to ask Tim a question. Um, oh, now that you guys have put this whole Mr. Whipple thing... Is this
2: more a uh, news let
8: interrogation?
15: It, let me open it back up again. And um, you said he made, he made, how many...
8: It 300? says, according to his biography, 500.
15: Okay, 500 commercials. Okay, Tim, you're a SAG member.
8: What? Right. You're, I'm sorry, sir, your phone broke up.
15: I'm saying, I'm saying, Tim, you're a SAG member.
8: That's correct, yes.
15: Okay, so so what, and I know it's all contractually, you know, he probably got better salary, but... Well, what would the typical salary be, stag member for a nationally? Because I've always heard that that you know being a spokesperson is good, but being in a national spokes campaign is huge. That's, That's a right. good question. Actually, I mean, so, so, you get
2: residuals.
8: Do you, so, would you, if you did a
2: well, so if you did a national commercial, so if you are Mister Whipple or if you're the guy who advertises, you know, you I don't know, you advertise Palm Olive or something. Do you get money every time that plays yes. anywhere? Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah you do. Now, if it, here's a dumb question. I'm sorry, oh, I don't mean to be. Are,
8: the rates are pretty much set in stone.
2: I don't mean to be stepping on the caller, but I'm, I'm asking maybe oh. questions the caller would have. Someone took my chair. <laughs>
15: <laughs> this is not my chair. Some bastard
2: took my chair. On, Rick. So, somebody took one of mine too. Brick
15: oh. it, It's a ruse. They planted me to help distract you. Oh, bastards.
2: All right. Oh, All right.
9: Weird.
2: So the, the, the uh, so here's a dumb question too, because I don't know how this works. Mm-hmm. If you film a national commercial, I'm coming up with the rates here right now. Does that what what am I what am I trying to say? Uh, if like you film a national commercial, does that air on an MB that airs on let's say uh let's say they air that on Lost, which mm-hmm. is on ABC. Right. Does that air on every ABC affiliate like at the same time? Like every yes. ABC all uh. over the country. So it works just like radio. Right. So like a like a national spot during Dennis Miller airs on every Dennis Miller affiliate mm-hmm. at once. And so do you get money? every time that plays, or they that's average correct. it out or something? Really? Mm-hmm. Is it to, now, is it, a matter, is it like cents, or is it... It's not dollars. It possibly. is dollars. Every time
8: it plays, really. Mm-hmm. Now, let me look here. I got the rates. Uh, okay. So the original shoot for the production session, if you're principal, it's 567. Now, that's if you're a nobody in it.
2: Now, that is that hourly, that or is that, that a one time?
8: That is a one-time fee. So shooting the commercial, you get like 600 bucks, basically. Uh, if you're a nobody. Okay. So if you have an agent, of course... Now, uh, That's depending on right, depending on what market it plays in. Say if it plays on cable, uh, one to fifty units. The minimum is five hundred sixty-seven per? per. No, for the whole set, units one to fifty. You get this is on some nobody's watching cable. Nine dollars and thirty-four cents per play. Per play up to fifty. Right.
2: Okay. So here's so here's what here so sir, so
8: fifty to, one to a hundred is eight dollars and eleven cents. And does it go? Does it go down as the units go up? Right. Okay. So here's and the, that's cable. We're so, not talking about big network TV. So then here's the thing, sir. So uh,
2: so you get about six hundred bucks to film the commercial, and then is on like on a cable channel again, is like, we're talking on like I don't know the Sunshine Channel or something, uh, you get like 9 bucks every time it plays, and then as the number of times it plays goes up, that dollar amount goes down.
15: But as it goes national, then you start getting like... Yeah, but like on NBC
2: or even really like on a major cable network like TNT, that probably pays more than being on like the Hallmark Channel. Right.
15: Uh, I've I've just heard that, like, you know, those guys like, can you hear me now? You know, where his face is on every billboard and everything and every, 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 every... It's like, that's just... I don't know what the what the annual is on that. Oh well, well okay.
8: Sorry, very, if, we're ta- very, if we're talking very, very network, good. if we're talking network here, we're at fifty one sixty.
2: Okay, we're now just spending a massive amount of time on this, but it's fascinating. So let me just so let's just say this. Let's
8: say oh, there are a lot of numbers. Go to the, you know where you can find up all this stuff right now if you want to go look it up? Go to sag dot or
2: go ask go ask, go. Uh, go ask a writer. They have some free time. So yeah.
8: five hundred. So let's say five hundred
2: bucks a commercial times five hundred commercials. Okay, that can't be right. No no, if you take well yeah. Okay, so if let's assume Mr. Whipple got 500 bucks a spot just to tape it. 500.
8: But don't forget these are rates today. So well, it must have been much less. So let's
2: actually. chop it in half. Let's assume that Mr. Whipple even got 250 a spot. Mm-hmm. So if Mr. Whipple just let's be crazy and, and this just is without
8: it being played anywhere.
2: Let's just assume Mr. Whipple got $250 just to tape a commercial. He did 500 of those. So, okay, so here's, uh, so let's see, so 250 times 500. So just to tape those commercials, Mr. Whipple made 125 grand. That's just the actual taping. And and then if you assume that each of those commercials it got, and those that's network because there was no cable. So that was network rates. So if Mr. Whipple was making five bucks each time it aired, I mean, we're talking millions of dollars.
15: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm guessing, I'm guessing his career was probably probably maybe under over 20, 000, 20 million. I I don't know what well, it just, had like, to
2: have been. I mean, he's making yeah, 125 I mean, just for the filming of it. And Yeah. And let's okay, let's just, and then we have to finish this up, but let's sure. just say okay, so you've got a commercial that airs let's say 100 times on a network. Mm-hmm. That's let's say he gets 5 bucks a throw. That's $500. So Five hundred times, and there's five hundred spots he did. Okay, so he, if we assume that Mr. Whipple that made five hundred spots, he got paid about about two fifty to, to to cut each spot, and let's assume that each spot ran a hundred times, and he got five bucks a throw. All at told, at the very least, at the very least, and we're lowballing all of this. At the very lo- at the very very lowest estimation, that is still four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Not bad. Yeah, I think you can take some kids uh, to TP in your house for that. <laughs> Interesting. Good call. I didn't think much was going to come at this call. Good call, sir.
15: Fantastic. Thank Thanks. you. Good day. All right, there you go.
8: Jesus. Yeah, the money is in pitching. Yeah, uh, see, so if you want to look at the rates, they have them at uh, sag.org. In the right-hand
2: column, just scroll down. Fantastic. Oh, somebody's got info on this lockdown. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
13: I have to talk kind of quiet. I'm one of the janitors out here. At the middle school. What are, happened?
16: Are you is really? Life,
2: is this really? Yes, are you? Are you? One of the right?
16: vice principals found some, uh, not for nothing, JUCO. And oh, they don't want this to get out of control. So they lock down the school. They do a search locker to locker.
12: Maybe you might be trying to say Jencom. Are you
2: trying to say Jenkum, sir?
3: Jenkum, <laughs> whatever it's what called. What did you call the it? Poop. You called it Juco. I <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I
16: don't drink it. Some of these kids do Smoke it, smell it, whatever they call
2: it. All right, the in
16: found it, and they blocked down the school. They want a locker her to locker, so they don't want anybody to get out of it. They want to put this, a stop to this. It's like a bunch of Nazis out here. And I only get paid like $10 an hour
3: to deal with this.
0: <laughs> We're losing your call, sir.
3: Okay, fine. Sorry.
10: Oh.
2: Oh, that was unfortunate. Uh, yes. Yeah, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
10: Yeah, Rick. Couple of things. First, uh, Mr. Whipple would have been. that You were using scale dollars, and he would have been paid a lot more than scale. are yeah. we're, little, we're
2: lowballing it though, just because you know, just, just as, it, as it, again, just a, a low estimate.
10: Well, the other thing is that um, I, I used to be in advertising, and when I mean I'm not back in the day, but when the numbers were done before. Uh huh. And Tim probably knows this. When there were only the the, uh, national networks and there was no cable, it was even the money was better, not worse, than it is now. Right, right,
8: right. Because they're not just figuring in three networks anymore. All these other little channels, and it it would just be a nightmare of paperwork. It seems like all this individual. It seems
2: like the price they would the talent fee that they would pay you back when it was just networks would be lower because there was no competition.
8: Well, it was higher because you were guaranteed this number. Oh, they, they knew what the numbers right. would be.
2: That's true. And you and were talking to like a thirty share.
8: Right. And, and you know, a lot of these cable channels aren't even rated.
2: Yeah. No, that's true. That's true because they do. They because they, it's all niche marketing right. now. So again, you like the Hallmark Channel, which has ratings so low they can't even be measured. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because they're because they do with you know it's ratings, not results. In other words, the we were really inside the industry here. But it, it, they, it, what with all my vast television knowledge. Uh, the, um, but the, the Hallmark channel has very, very low ratings, but the people who do watch the Hallmark channel are a very specific demographic, and so they can market to a very, very, you know, to a niche. Right. So, all right, excellent. Thank you, uh, Rob.
10: Yeah, well, uh, I was gonna say, I mean, Jared would be probably the closest equivalent to somebody that would be the Mr. Whipple, you know?
2: Oh, Jared, Jared from, from Subway? Subway. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me ask you this do you hate him?
10: <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah, that's
2: what I'm saying. See, for no reason, we all hate that guy. All right.
10: well, no, there's a simple reason. I'm fat. I could have eaten the <laughs> sandwiches and made millions of dollars, and I didn't.
2: Oh, I see. So that's so that's what it is. You're just saying that's like just spiteful. It's like a why didn't I think of that kind of I'm thing. I'm
10: spiteful for so many reasons.
2: All right. What's give me one other reason you're spiteful?
10: Um. Oh God. I hate my job.
2: All right. Well done. Thank you, sir. Uh, that's most sir. Americans. Bye now. All right. All right. I don't have either of those excuses, and I still hate Jared. Okay. Oh, my God, it's 1235. It's all about Mr. Whipple. We spent 35 minutes on Mr. Whipple. That doesn't even seem possible, and yet it seems entirely obvious mm-hmm. now when you think about it. Well, uh, he's a pop culture phenomenon. Apparently, uh, there is a lockdown at uh, Winford Middle School, McKay Middle School. I'm sorry, McKay Elementary School and Vose yeah. Vosa Elementary School due to police activity in the area. That is from the Beaverton School District uh, website. All right. Well, fine. Okay. Uh, uh, one other email about Mr. Whipple. This guy says, "By the way, I will be drinking one tonight for Mr. Whipple." Yes, it will be. It will be tipple for Whipple. And then he says, "Were Mr. Whipple and the Duncan time to make the donuts guy one and the same?" No, I do no, not believe so. No. I think it's two different people, sir. All right, uh, that's it. We're done. Uh, okay, Mr. Whipple, dead. Do we already close the snuffbox? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're g- well. Let's close, we close it again. It again. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Farewell, Mr. Whipple. Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503 2970 Ladies and gentlemen, here is Jim Riley from the Ministry
16: of Truth.
8: So we have all kinds of uh, local stuff going. I continues to snow over at Mount Hood. And uh, you have to wear chains on your tires if uh, you're traveling to the mountains on Highway 26. Heavy snow uh, will be in effect till 4 o'clock this afternoon. A man is accused of luring women to his tankard home using Craigslist... And then raping him, he goes to court. Uh, raping them, he goes to court this afternoon. 50... He goes to court raping them. Yes, uh, 52-year-old Ronald Levitsko, uh Let's see, he lives at 12320 Southwest 128th Avenue in Tigard. Stay lady. away from that home. Uh, let's see. Apparently, he used a popular website, the Craigslist, uh, to arrange for women to come to his home. Well, some of the women are. These aren't. These are too young for women. They're 14. One of them is, and they range from age to uh, 35. He's in Washington County Jail now. Uh, Some of the charges also include kidnapping, prostitution, sex abuse, menacing, and strangulation.
2: By the way, let me just uh, read that. This is, I think this is a little bit more of a, I think this is a little bit more of an up, because I don't think he actually, I don't think he actually got a hold of anybody, and I think that he's being beaten in a jail cell right now. This is from Union City, which is, um, is is that in the Bay Area? Union City? Union, where is Union City? Well, this is from the San Francisco... This is from SF Gate. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. Okay. Well, whatever. A man wearing... This is actually pretty funny. A man wearing nothing except what looked like a nun's habit on his head approached young girls in a Union City church parking lot Saturday and ordered them into his car before they fled. The girls were in the lot at Our Lady of the Rosary Church on B Street at 418 when the man shouted, Get into my car! from the vehicle. The suspect that opened the door was fully nude, except for a blue nun's habit on his head. He was covering his genitals with both hands. The
8: girls ran into the church. So, there you go.
2: That's slightly more amusing. Here's Jim Riley.
8: Well, uh, State Senator Bob Allen's troubles may only get worse. Seconds after he was convicted Friday of soliciting a sex act in the public restroom, this is in Florida, legislative oh. leaders were discussing how to remove him from office. It's from where? This conviction makes it impossible for Representative Allen to represent responsibly the citizens of his district,
2: says the House Speaker. Well, he just, re- just represents the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's
8: see. And uh, uh, Lou Pearlman. He says, I've done nothing wrong. And my family and my God and my good constituents know that. We're going to continue to seek justice. We know what's over and done with. Uh, because of the nature of his crimes, Allen will have to go undergo testing for sexually transmitted diseases and the results will be made public. And he's also not gay. No. No. None in of no these way. Republicans are. So that's that. Uh, American Idol judge uh, Simon Cowell has been into getting a little bit of work done. The television personality says, yes, I've had Botox, but not an obsessive amount. Every guy I worked with has had a little bit of it. He adds, I can't think of one person in TV who isn't quite that big. Nothing to be ashamed of. No. Well, it's uh, time to be thankful because it's almost time for thank- uh, Thanksgiving, says the yes. President Bush. He's going to speak. Our nation's greatest strength is the decency and compassion of our people. As we count our many <laughs> blessings, I encourage all Americans to show their thanks.
2: You can tell by the many compassionate bombs that we're dropping on, uh, on Iraq. Their bombs filled with love.
8: He uh, made his uh, speech in a colonial setting in uh, Charles City, Virginia. Today we're blessed with great prosperity. We're blessed with farmers and ranchers who provide (laughs) us with abundant food. We're blessed with the world's finest workers, with entrepreneurs who create new jobs. Yes, everyone should be thankful. We're thankful for the police officers who patrol our streets. We're thankful for the firefighters who protect our homes and property. We're thankful for the leaders of our churches and synagogues and all faith-based organizations that call us to live lives of charity. All right. you but know the
2: turkey hasn't been pardoned. No, yet. I was just going to say, until the turkey's pardoned, I don't care about the story. Also, it's, it, it's not that what he says, the speeches that are written for him are fine. It's just his peculiar phrasing and meter when he talks that makes it funny. Like when he says... We're blessed with farmers. That's just funny for some reason. I don't know why, and I know it's not written that way in the page. It's just the sort of way well, he's to hit everyone. It's the weird angular pauses that he puts into there.
3: Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. So I work over basically right in between the Vos Elementary and the McKay Elementary. Yes, sir. And then my daughter goes to McKay, so I wanted to see what the hell was going on.
2: Uh, apparently there's a police activity in the area.
13: So I, I drove through there on my way to lunch. Um... Now there's a trailer park in between the two elementary schools.
2: That's one over on
13: Denny Road. And there's about a half a dozen cop cars out there
3: and they have the entrance to said trailer park blocked off with flares.
2: Was the trailer park one of the reasons you moved to the neighborhood? Was that? I, did they show I you the? That I live that's, a couple
13: miles from there. So.
2: That didn't seal the deal for you. <laughs> um and so yeah, lovely, huh? So they've got the. When you said the entrance to the trailer park, this is not the entrance to a trailer, but this is the entrance to the whole area.
13: The whole park itself. The right. whole
2: park itself. Right. And right. Now, was there just now? Is there just one entrance in and out?
16: Uh,
3: to the best of my knowledge.
16: I yeah, mean, does the
2: trailer I've... park have like walls or a fence or something?
3: I think it's got a fence around the outside. It's basically borders on Denny Road and Highway 217. All right. Um, I don't know. I've never driven through it.
2: So there's something (laughs) running. There's some sort of a muck happening inside the trailer park. That's what it appears to be. All right. Excellent. Thank you for the heads up, my friend. Thank you. All right. There you go. There's a trailer park. Oh, I just hung up on the guy. There's a trailer park thing happening out there. Uh, Oh, by the way, speaking of nothing in particular, I don't know what prompted this thought. Uh, Did you see this statement from Fred Goldman over the weekend? Oh. Did you know this is funny? Did you because know, I find the whole Fred and OJ uh, Simpson saga it just is fascinating to me, um, and just it kind of just perversely amusing in a lot of ways. So OJ got busted, uh, as we all know by now, going into this Vegas collectible place to like steal back a bunch of stuff that he claims was his, including the suit he was wearing when he got acquitted for killing Nicole. Did you know that before OJ had even been booked and processed, Fred Goldman's lawyers were already in court petitioning to then have all those collectibles handed over to Fred Goldman. I mean, that is how fast Fred Goldman's lawyers, his people work. Uh, His people were in court, and, like, the stuff that O.J. was there to steal back was, like, in Fred Goldman's hands before O.J. was even booked. Um, Anyway, and so um, this is from Randy in Minnesota, who says, You are right about Fred Goldman. If O.J. goes to the bathroom and has unused squares of toilet tissue, Fred Goldman is going to want them as well. He should. And there's a whole story to... uh, whole thing fred goldman has sort of
8: become the white shadow at this point he really is all right uh here's tim riley well it appears Beaverton is becoming a no man's land uh beaverton man is accused of stabbing his brother in the bank with a kitchen knife and an argument over money you really have to you have
2: to do that hard you know you really have to, to work at it with a kitchen knife to stab somebody
8: so the cops go to this house last night and find this guy with a knife still sticking out of his back <laughs> I don't know, Could, can you look? It feels like I got a little something in my... Not here, or here, but more here. So, uh, Michael Franklin Curtis was jailed after the accusation of first-degree assault. Uh, the evidence was a knife sticking out of his brother's back. Really? Imagine being stabbed with a... This is a butter knife? No, a uh, butcher knife.
2: Oh. Or a kitchen knife. Oh, that's less funny. I thought being. I thought he'd been stabbed with a butter knife, which is really kind of fascinating.
8: and. No butter oh. word is used here. Almost impressive in a weird way. Well, okay. So they were arguing about money, and uh, that's that. And by the way, we have somebody here who says um, the
2: the word is that the can you hear me now guy makes five hundred grand a year. Jesus, that's good. All right, well, good for him. I mean, it's a difficult you know it's a difficult business to make it in. All right.
8: An article in the Brit, Britain Sunday Times reports that a new study published by the Journal of Experimental Psychology indicates a man may tend to think. Like a stereotypical blonde upon meeting a blonde woman.
5: Men act dumber around
15: blondes, <laughs> do they? I do act pretty retarded around them. Right? Well, it depends what
5: else is, what other attributes they
7: All women make guys dumb. They don't know how to handle themselves. This they say sense, dumb things. This, this doesn't, doesn't sound
5: like actual actual a real psychological report. No,
3: no, no. Do men act differently around blondes than they do brunettes? I think so. What? Oh, yeah. Blondes don't make you act stupid, no.
2: Yeah. It's the, it's the Benny Hill music in the background really does not add to the scholarly nature of the work. This is the Journal of Experimental Psychology. Really? Yeah. They sound like a swinging bunch over there. Some <laughs> big water cooler full of cream de menthe. Jesus. I mean, A, I don't even know where to start. A, in this report, did the guy say the word retarded? They make me act retarded, says the Journal of Experimental Psychology. <laughs> I, oh my, I think
8: that might be the wrong sound bite. And there's a bunch of cackling
2: idiot girls in the background through the whole thing. And then the guy sounds like a goof. And then there's this weird... Dan, <laughs> would you like to weigh in?
8: Whoops. That was supposed to be dumb blonde men number one. And not a part- the
2: Journal of uh, Experimental... And doesn't the ex- Journal of Experimental Psychology you picture a guy strapped down with electrodes on his head? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just sort of, you know, Bella Lugosi, you know, did the, you know... Or whoever, just Karloff uh, being strapped to a table. and What a difference one numeral can make. <laughs> really, it's true. They make me retarded, says the Journal of Experimental
8: Psychology. <laughs> well, a new report shows that Detroit, Michigan, Michigan is the most dangerous city in America. Well done, Detroit. Congratulations. Uh, this woman, who is a Detroiter, uh, doesn't want Detroit to have the label as Detroiter. the most dangerous city in America. I don't want to be that. Uh, on top of that statistic, it'd be it'd Be, bad. Bad. It'd be so great if
2: she was just. I mean this in, a, in an abstract comedic sense. It'd be so great if she was just shot and killed halfway through the sound bite. That's what I would do if we were a morning show and if I had, or if I just had five more minutes to prepare this. Mm-hmm. I would just have her like a gunshot and the sound of a body halfway through that bite. That'd be funny.
8: Well, an old holiday tradition is back in mailboxes for the first time in 14 years. Sears is bringing back its famous wish book.
9: Really? Yes. I
2: love the wish book. The
8: wish book has become a sort of institution that so many
11: people remember getting in their mailbox around Christmas time and seeing just everything in one place that they could ever want and circling the things they wish for.
8: Oh, what happened to the wish book? It disappeared. Didn't we it?
11: had about a fourteen-year hiatus with the wish book, and so many of our customers wanted to see us bring it back that Sears decided this year we've got to have the wish book again.
8: Did you guys have the wish book? No. Tim? Yes. All right. Yeah, I had that too. It's back in the old Sherman
2: days. Yeah, exactly. The wish book was great. The wish book was just basically another version. Did they still sell the Sears catalog? No, they didn't have it. It's just online. Yeah, no, I'm not has... just talking about the wish book, but, I mean, the Sears catalog, period. I haven't seen one in years. You know what I got the other day? Uh, I got the Sky Mall catalog. Oh. Somebody signed me up for a subscription to that, and I get it here awesome. at work. I already saw... I'm not going to say what it is, but I already saw something. I'm buying my wife for Christmas. Buying my wife something out of the Sky Mall catalog for Christmas. Um, Any hints of what that might be? I think she's at work. Nah, see, if I say she's it, somebody will, no, she's she's not not somebody will tell no, her, okay. though. They wouldn't. Okay. I'm saying... I'm here's getting my. I know this little net. I will sound retarded, just like the other guy. Um, the I will sound just like a staff of, of experimental psychology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it, and that'll make Tim laugh. Um, I uh, there's a motion activated paper towel dispenser uh, that they sell. Oh, like we have here at work. Oh, I yeah, but, but no, but it's not crap like this one. I can already say it's from the Sharper Image or not Sharper Image it's from Skyball. You know, it's going to work mm-hmm. well, although I think it actually is from Sharper Image and it sold through Skyball. Um We have uh, several uh, motions activated things in our home. Uh, we have a motion activated trash can in the kitchen, which is great. You don't have to press on the handle or what you, you just like it when you reach toward the trash can with like whatever the tin can in your hand you reach toward the trash can it automatically opens drop it in take your hand away closes when it closes it. doesn't say thank you no, it doesn't I wish oh. it did actually like a mr mouth kind of a thing <laughs> uh the um like a mr bucket but uh this is i'm gonna we had this whole debacle uh with our um with our with our with the paper towel rack in the kitchen. And I know that nobody cares about it, but I will just say this. I want to hear about the paper towel. Well, here's, I know you're kidding, but here's the thing. So there's two sections to your paper towel holder. This sounds gripping already, doesn't it? <laughs> um, you know, there's just like the frame, and then there's the wooden dowel that goes through. Well, the wooden dowel that goes through has been stripped. The screws no longer work on it, and I can't figure out a way to fix it. And so I've got to throw it away. But the problem is that early on the whole paper towel dispenser was screwed to the cabinet and that it became jiggly all the time. So I just used liquid epoxy to affix it to the kitchen cupboard. But liquid epoxy, of course, like once you, that can nothing can ever be taken off once it's put on with liquid epoxy. Like it's there for life. And so the only way I'm going to get this faulty paper towel dispenser off of my kitchen cupboard is like with a chisel and a hammer. But that will render the underside of the cupboard so like knobbly and uneven that I'm never going to be able to put another paper towel dispenser there.
8: So plus, you won't get your security
2: deposit back. Yeah, I know. The, plus, I'm going to flood the bathroom. Uh, plus, so the answer is that I'm going to buy this motion-activated paper towel dispenser for my wife for Christmas. That's one of the gifts I'm getting her. Because so. Rick Emerson cares. Here's Tim Riley. The uh, KCMD is.
8: Portland. Anybody care about these American Music Awards that were conducted last year?
2: Yeah, sure. Just let me go somewhere else first. All
8: right. <laughs> this go is ahead. a Dick Clark-created show.
2: No. Oh.
8: It was not it, though. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was hosted by Jimmy Kimmel instead. Uh, this year's events included a first in history. The winners were determined by online voting. The host, Jimmy Kimmel, makes light of the current Writers Guild of America strike when opening up the program. This
3: is going to be a little bit loose tonight because I'm a member of the Writers Guild, and we're on
9: strike. And so I'm on strike. I mean, it may not look like it, but I'm striking right now in my heart.
8: No, that's yeah. Yeah, that he, is funny. Uh,
9: jokes about his condition when opening up the show. I'm Jimmy Kimmel. This is my fourth time hosting the show. And um, my first time hosting it drunk, so I'm very excited. So I don't understand how this works. It,
2: I didn't watch it. I mean, it's. I guess the kids vote online. But I mean, part of it has to be written,
8: right? Yeah, I suppose. But
2: like they're not just—they're not ad-libbing the whole show. So how mm-hmm. does that
8: work? Well, it was probably written before the strike. Do you think? Yes. I mean, months in advance. It's probably the same show every year. Okay, but what
2: if the... Okay, so does that mean that if the Writers Guild strike goes on for another month, we won't have the Oscars? If they haven't been written. Interesting. I hadn't really Hmm. thought about that. Because you don't really think about stuff like uh, like award shows. But those are written just like... And you can tell they're written because every year we get to see, like, uh, you know, Carmen Electra stumbling over her Hmm. teleprompter, uh, you know, and unable to read the... It's Carmen Electra and Kanye West standing next to each other unable to read the joke correctly. So, man, I won't miss that. We should make a list of things. That's a great idea for a column. Somebody should do a column or perhaps an angry blog Mm -hmm. about things that they will not miss. Things that the Writers Guild is getting rid of that we don't care about.
8: All right. Uh, The Usher takes time to show love to rapper Kanye West before giving uh, Bianchi the international award. I'd like to take a moment to recognize the loss of Kanye
1: West's mother. My heart, my prayers, and all of our prayers go out to you, Kanye, for the strength of this recovery.
8: So, uh, the highlight of the program was uh, Duran Duran singing the 1980s hit Hungry Like a Wolf.
0: Really?
8: This doesn't sound very good at all.
2: Imagine how sick they are singing that song. Imagine how much they just, all right, fine. In the beginning, it doesn't even sound like he's singing words. It sounds... Play that again. Listen to the beginning of this. For the first, uh, he's doing the first half of this chorus. How it sounds like he's just. But
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's just singing with his lips. Yeah, those guys. Those guys hate that. Uh, you know, I guess they've got that some new comeback record. It's yeah. in the works. It's all being done by uh, by Timberland. I guess it's all it's it's going to sound. It's going to have today's hit sounds that the kids like. It's going to sound like that Justin Timberlake album. Apparently,
8: well, um, every album is the same as Justin Timberlake album. They,
2: they all sound like that now. Yeah. So that, I guess. Oh, by the man, we'll talk about Britney later. We got a Britney watch. Tomorrow is the big day, Tuesday, to see where her record ends up. Because you know, it already in its second week, it film number seven. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, I'm guessing it'll be down at around 15. Next week, it'll be out of the top 30 altogether. So, uh, whether well, that remains to be seen. All right, here's Tim Riley.
8: Uh, Scott Bayo is apparently now 46 and a dad. The former Charles in Charge star and his fiance Renee Sloan, welcomed a daughter on November 2nd. The baby was born five weeks early and is doing very well. No word on the name of this new edition. The birth was not confirmed by Baio's rep, who, who really thinks this guy is just so big that he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Uh, what was the outcome
2: of Scott Bayo is 45 and single? Well, I don't even know what the point of that. What was the point of the show? What was the well, nobody, you know, point? Well, nobody watched it. But, but I mean, what, they, but all of those shows have a whole, at the end of this, you know. Apparently. So is he either blank or blank. He knew that she was pregnant all along. But allegedly. I mean. Allegedly. But what was the sort of. There was no point. What was at stake during the Scott, ba- Scott Baio reality show?
8: Uh, that he was unable to uh, hang on to any type of relationship. But, he's, but he had a fiancé. Yeah. Well, she was going to leave him. If, I guess, he didn't marry her or something? But they're not married. Yeah. She's still around.
2: I don't understand anything. Well, anymore.
8: it's all stupid. Anyway.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, So, there you go. She got bail. All right. Ben, blah, 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 blah. Beowulf. All right. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick? Y- yes?
3: Is this me? Yes, it is, sir. How you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm fine.
3: I have a way for you to fix your paper towel dispenser if you want to know. Uh,
2: Do I want to know? Yeah. No, here's why I don't want to know, because I've already got my heart fixed uh, on on buying this uh, this motion-activated
9: paper
3: towel dispenser. Well, if you ever have a a wooden hole in wood that is stripped, all you need to do is stick wooden toothpicks in there, break them off, and then if there's little splinters hanging out, you hammer it in with a little hammer, and then you have wood with which to bond to the next screw that you're putting on.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, I've got a to... No, but here's the problem. Tim, do you care about this? No. Okay, we're not going to discuss it on the air, sir. That's, I appreciate your observation. I, I, mm-hmm. I do thank you. I will not be taking this advice because I do believe I'm going to buy this sharper image motion-activated paper towel dispenser. See, every time well, I say it, I get excited about it. And it's a steal, sure, too. no.
3: I'm all for that, but all if right. uh, you ever need to fix a uh, strip hole in a piece of wood, there you go. All right.
2: Thank you, my friend.
13: Bye-bye. All right.
2: Okay. All that right. was kind of creepy. He sounded kind of like the uh, sounded like the, the, the Zodiac guy there. All right. All right. Here's Tim Riley.
8: Donnie Osmond is apologizing to Larry King for criticizing the talk show host after he revealed that Marie Osmond's 16-year-old son had entered rehab. OMG. OMG. Okay,
6: oh, so... don't ever say that again. No,
2: see, I'm being silly. Um... I did, I did say that in a text message that I sent to Joni last night. I sent it to everyone, I'm like, oh, MFG! You know, I, I was watching, just as a side note, Tim, mm-hmm. where we get to, to head and shoulders into this, this Marie Osmond thing, which I do have a lot to say about. Because mm-hmm. I, I watched the Larry King thing again, parts of it again, because my wife had not seen it, so she was watching it. I had the greatest idea for a stage play last night. Maybe not the best idea ever, but I had a pretty great idea for a stage play. I don't even know if I should say the idea on the air, because if I say it on the air, someone's going to steal it.
6: Oh, you're never going to do it anyway.
2: There you go. That's the spirit, Sarah. Thanks. Way wait, wait to give me positive affirmations. No problem. So I was watching uh, Nirvana Unplugged on VH1 Classic last night. You know, they're playing that a lot because they're putting it out on DVD for the first time. And um, first of all, how old would you imagine Nirvana Unplugged is off the top of your head? With a,
6: 16 years.
2: See, it's not that old, actually. It's only 14. But, yes, okay. it's a decade and a half 90, old.
6: Yeah, not, it was
2: 93? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it, it, but the, I stand by my assertion that that is the best thing they ever did. That, and the, the, the Unplugged special, the Unplugged album, I mean, as much as I have problems with Nirvana, the, the, that the Unplugged performance is wonderful. It really is. Um, The Nirvana stuff sounds good. It sounds much better. That's okay. you can kind of tell that Kurt Cobain's heart, in my opinion, was not in the so-called grunge stuff. His heart was really with sort of acoustic pop because all of the songs work better unplugged. And then he does the great Bowie cover. He does the the great uh, that uh, Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. I mean, it's just really, really wonderful. But I was thinking about how that guy died at 27, and, you know, and and then VH1, they were doing some other dead parade thing later. It was like some Jimi Hendrix thing or whatever. Uh, The best idea for a stage play. The idea is, the stage play is a series of interviews with uh, rock stars or musicians who died an untimely early death, but the the interviews are all done in present day as though they had not died young. And you just uh, sort of write it to find out what they're, you know, in, in the playwright's estimation and imagination, what they would eventually, what they would be doing now. So it's just a series of like mock interviews with John Lennon, Tupac Shakur, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, John, uh, 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 uh um, this Jim Morrison. On? Jim Morrison. Pardon me? I John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. No, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a series of, of of mock modern day interviews with rock stars as though they had not died. So, for example, there's all of that. Well, what would John Lennon be doing today if he hadn't died? What would Kurt Cobain be doing? You know, would Nirvana have put out a third album that bombed? Would the third album have been fantastic? Um, you know, would he? Would they have? Would they have sold out? Would they have fallen off? Would they still be icons? So it's just a whole. The stage play would be a bunch of interviews with rock stars as though they had not died young, mm-hmm. and just sort of a theoretical theoretical future as to what would have become of them. Kind of like there's this um, novel called um, Liverpool Story. And Liverpool Story, not a very good book, but a great idea for a book. I can't recommend it as a book because it's not very entertaining, but it's a great idea. And it's a novel, and the novel posits that, well, what if the Beatles had broken up right after they recorded Please, Please Me and had never gone on to record any other music? What would have happened to the four Beatles if they had split up before they became famous? And it's kind of a great idea for a book. Not very well written, but it's a great idea. Um, okay, so, blah blah, 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 Marie Osmond. So, Donnie and Marie were on Larry King last week, and I kind of watched it, and I, I didn't, wasn't really paying that much attention to it, but then I watched it again with Laura, because you know, she's from Utah, and she was Mormon and everything, and so... You know, the, the, the Osmonds are deities, you know, to Mormons. I mean, even though she's not really Mormon anymore, the, 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 the Osmonds still loom large. They're still... But yeah,
8: they're like the Kennedys of Utah. They
2: really are. That is very, very true. They are like the Kennedys and the Von Trapps of Utah, all rolled into one. They are the Brian Wilson family of, uh, of, of Utah. And so watching it with her, I was sort of hypersensitive to a lot of things that were just sort of weird. So go ahead and, and play this clip. And then that ties in perfectly with something that I did not catch the first time around on that show. I don't have a clip. Do you not have a clip? There's no clip? Okay, Okay. well just read the story then and I'll play the background clip because it's funny.
8: Okay. I'm very upset about it, said the 49-year-old singer in an interview that aired on the NBC Today show. I thought it was very unfair of Larry King to throw that question at Marie the way he did. Donnie and his sister, who starred in... Well, we all know. Uh, Donnie later learned that the tabloids were about to break the story. So I have to back up and apologize publicly to Larry King because he came out and said something against him. In hindsight, Larry King did Marie a favor, said Donnie. She was able to make a statement about the situation, and so she's grateful to uh-huh. Larry. Yeah. Marie is competing on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, she's 48, announced this year that she and her second husband, Brian Blossel, are divorcing. She has eight children. It
2: was such a huge scandal in Utah the first time she got divorced, too. Boy, well, why
8: did she get divorced?
2: Because uh, she's crazy. I don't know, She is just uh, flat-out hot, though, still. Just huge, huge upper plate. I mean, massive teeth, but I can get past it. Uh, all right, so oh. this... So this is Marie, uh, well, Donnie and Marie on Larry King last week. And I did not, I don't think you played this part of it. You played the little section where he was like, your son is in rehab, Please to explain. Mm -hmm. But I don't think, and if you did play it, I apologize. Maybe I just missed it. I don't think you played the section, though, where she was describing, I'll I'll let it speak for itself, but it's one of those things, I don't mean any disrespect to those who have children. Many of our, uh, many of my best friends have children. I've had parents in my home. Uh, In fact, uh, you know, one of Sarah's best friends just had a child. Um, Most of the people associated with the program have children. We we don't. I do believe, no offense, having children makes you stupid sometimes. Because you just start to believe, you just start to believe things that to the childless are just so obviously patently not true.
8: And you rewrite your own history. how so? like your childhood was something it wasn't. Oh, yeah, like your totally. childhood was a, a black and white um, Mayberry Like when you were a child,
2: I respected my elders.
8: People didn't lie back then. They were all honest. <laughs> Lying People just came about about five years ago.
2: No one had sex when I was a child, mm-hmm. ever, under any circumstances. It was no fun for anyone. We didn't grind and freak the way you kids do today. Um, but, you know, the parents, there are all these urban legends that always get around. Maybe urban legend is the wrong way to say it, but these these over-melodramatic Drug stories, uh, like you know those, you know those Mickey Mouse stamps that they circulated Halloween. Those have LSD on the back of them, and it sort of sounds passably real. Like, I guess if you're a parent, and I'm not going to recycle my Halloween ramp. I think then the whole thing about don't take candy from anybody because it's filled with blades, you know, which of course isn't true. So, she gets into one of these things now that, on the surface of it, if you're a parent or dumb, kind of sounds, I guess, maybe believable. But if you really listen to it, it's just crazy. So we'll start with the res- the revelation that her kids in rehab.
9: In the next segment, we're going to show some of the dancing, but I want to bring up uh, a serious note, but something that deserves to be said. Mm-hmm. To see how you're doing. I know that you have many children. I do. And I know that Michael is in rehab, right?
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. How did how? you know that? <laughs> I was told. Uh, oh, she
9: just has a look on her face, oh, by the way, you
7: that is like, hear it like in her voice. Oh, yeah.
2: she immediately, you know, because the Osmonds. I'm not saying it's a put on. But part of their public persona is very smiley, happy, bubbly, bouncy, fun. She, in that moment though, you see like the the happy Mormon mask drop off, and she looks like she could kill him at that moment. Just for just for a second, she looks like she could just claw his eyes out. She she goes like, it was a Hillary Clinton cold. look. Oh yeah, no, she she looked like you are on my enemies list for life.
9: Any hey, children?
7: I do. And
9: I know that Michael is in rehab, right?
7: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. How did how? you know that? I was told. Oh, and
9: and yeah. I, I think I have people. That people know how you deal with it because I have some statistics. Michael is how old, 16?
7: My son is 16.
9: When a child is 16, 53% have used illegal drugs. Yes. Wow. 78% have used alcohol. 57% smoke cigarettes. Mm. It, how are you dealing with it? He
7: does um, all of that. This last week with my dad passing was hard for many reasons. Yes, that's, that's when he started of using drugs. My drug son and out of it. was put into a rehab um it's really hard, but it's a listen to a how she passes along a story
2: that clearly she has either heard or a story that she saw posted on the church bulletin board somewhere, mm-hmm. and that she simultaneously says it's all the other kids, but not her kid
7: it's a reality larry seventy five percent like you said of kids under age eighteen uh, are, are are dealing with this it's affecting every single family in our country they're having these they're called uh, farm parties where they go and steal, you know, medicines out of their parents' parents' drug uh, cab- cabinet. Uh-huh. And they dump them in a bowl and they just take them until they pass out. All kids uh, are doing my that. My son didn't do that. But, of course you not. know, he's dealing with a lot of issues. Um, I don't...
2: Let me ask you right now. Raise your hand if you have ever heard of kids having farm parties. Sarah? No. I think the Amish do that. No. <laughs> and by the way, she has the uh, stereotypical Utah accent. And the Utah accent is where... Um, E's become eyes. Sometimes you'll. The kids don't steal things; they steal them. They don't deal with things; they deal with them. So let's uh, let's hear the farm party thing one more time.
7: Reasons that was one of them. My son was put into a rehab. Um, it's really hard, but it's a reality, Larry. Seventy-five percent, like you said, of kids under age eighteen uh, are, are are dealing with this. Dealing. It's affecting every single family. In our country, they're having these, they're called uh, farm parties where they go and steal, you know, medicines out of their parents', parents drug uh, cab- cabinets. Cabinet. Uh-huh. And they dump them in a bowl and they just take them until they pass out. That sounds like a thing uh, to my really My son happen. didn't do that. But, you know, he's dealing with a lot of issues. Um, I don't know that I feel comfortable talking for him. Uh, I think he'll have to Sorry. deal with that. But I will say this. Um, my son is amazing. He's dealing with a lot. He's one of my kids. He's dealing with adoption issues, all kinds of things right now.
9: He was adopted.
2: She says the weirdest thing here, and I guess it's supposed to be a joke, but her inflection is not at all of someone who's joking. Listen to what she says about the kid being adopted.
7: dealing with adoption issues, all kinds of things right now.
2: He was adopted.
7: He's, yeah, I, I think he was. Um, what? He is the most amazing kid. I mean...
2: It, She
7: thinks he was adopted as a child?
2: I'm sure it's a joke. It just doesn't... She's not smiling at all when she says this. She says it with an absolutely straight face, and her inflection is completely like it's not a joke.
9: I don't understand.
7: Um, Mm -hmm. He is the most amazing kid...
9: Dant. How are you dealing with? Well, that? well you can see. It. Well, I'm yeah. cracking up. She's also dancing. Week. I mean, I'm, well, I bring so it up the first week. No one's had a week like. Fiftieth yeah. anniversary. Yeah. My father yeah. passes. You go into the quarter. There's only four left on Dancing with the Stars, and you're dealing with a son in rehab. Well, you know what I think. This How do you really bounce all those balls? I'll help you here for a second Thank because you. you're, you're a little. How do you bounce I mean, all, I mean, all, all, all those balls? Uh, They're fine. Uh, first of all, she's got her support team.
8: I found a website for Farm Party Party Supplies. Really? Uh, Decorate with bales of hay stuffed animals. Give your guests red bandanas to wear. Play fun games like duck, goose, and make Ed Carton pig snouts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that.
8: Oh, also, there's been an earthquake up the Oregon coast of 5.8, so that's really big.
2: Wonderful. All right. Okay. Uh, Is this Jim Roop? Richie Bristol, I'm looking at the... uh... Looking at the screen here. Is this, uh, is this our man? Okay, excellent. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show
9: from Los Angeles.
17: CNN Radio
2: correspondent and Man About Town James Roop. Hello, sir. Happy Monday to you.
17: Thank you. Happy uh, Monday to you. Good afternoon, wherever you may be. Hello. How are things? Things are great.
2: Excellent. Uh, glad you got our package on third. Our care yes. package.
17: Yeah, that was awesome, man.
2: Yeah, I got your I got your email that we sent it. I don't know, one in the morning something. said, I am putting the Jack Daniels to good use. So and <laughs> immediately, then, uh, Lisa got her vodka as well, and uh, so anyway, so our, our good friend Keelan, uh, alias Below, uh dropped that off for you. So. Well,
17: I, I wish he would have. Uh, he left a note where he was. We can get together with him. That would have been fun. Uh, well, I think
2: we just—I think we're, we were conscious of uh, of not wanting to. I mean, let was cut to the chase. You've been up, up uh, you know, on the the job for like forty days in a row or something now. And I know that you were, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of grind for you guys. So I don't think we wanted to intrude, but we thought a little uh, a little alcoholic assistance, you know, was. I
17: would have loved him. to share the love with
2: the low though. That uh, would have been nice. Well, the next one. Well, look, I mean, you got. I'm going to be in Vegas a lot, by the oh, way. I to
17: say you. <laughs>
2: You're going to be heading back to the city of sin many, many times. Did you know, I don't want to get bogged down in the O.J. thing today. Did you know, though, that you probably did, that before O.J. was even booked, Goldman's lawyers were in court, like, asking them to turn over all the stuff that O.J. was trying to steal. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Goldman, okay, I'm telling you this. I'm going to pass this along now. A little 70s uh, 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 network television throwback. Fred Goldman is the new white shadow. (laughs) He really is. Because wherever O.J. goes, like about six inches behind, creeps Fred Goldman just, just waiting to take all of his stuff.
17: Well, Goldman says even if O.J. Simpson is is put in jail over this latest fiasco, yeah. he's going to pursue Simpson until the day he dies.
2: I'm telling you, man. it's. Uh, I mean, you know, God, God love him. You know, whatever. We all got to have a hobby. I so. would, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it, look, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, those guys are – those guys, in my opinion – they are like the dudes in the beat it video who are like doing the knife fight where they're lashed together at the wrist. Yeah. And it's like it, the only when Fred Goldman gets up in the morning, the only person he thinks about is OJ, and and OJ doesn't really think about a whole lot, I would imagine. But but they are kind of locked. They're like a mongoose and a cobra, just locked in this sort of death struggle, you know, forever. And and I think I can speak for Fred Goldman uh, when I say that you know, for Fred Goldman's perspective, it won't be over till OJ is dead. Yeah, I mean, when OJ dies someday, be it natural causes or otherwise, that's when Fred Goldman will 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 give it up. Uh, you know, but, but then until...
17: he'll die. See,
2: because that's his only reason for OJ is Fred Goldman's support system. Right, kept alive only by I don't know. He's kept alive on a diet of pure hate.
17: Yeah. I, I believe that, man.
2: Uh, no, it's true. If that's that's what the tagline would be, if this was like some sort of a uh, some sort of an exploitation film, it would totally be. He subsists on a diet of pure hate. Fred Goldman is the White Shadow. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's talk about this. Uh, the writers' stuff. We were actually just talking about the the American Music Awards, and I hadn't really thought about this. Were the American Music Awards pre-written?
17: Uh, you know, I didn't go. Because we it, we well, didn't cover that this year. It's 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 been so bad over the past several years. And yeah, it's usually pre-written. And yes, they know that they win. Because otherwise they wouldn't show up. Oh, I didn't know that. That's
2: actually, well, see, that
17: you're actually. That's what we're told anyway. That's what we're told behind the scenes.
2: You're sort of answering an interesting question, a different question, actually. Because I, A, well, let's come back to that in a second. My question was more that with the writer's strike going on, is that, does that affect award shows? No. Oh, really? Is
17: that true? Are they not in the same Because it's like the same kind of writers that are involved in game shows. Okay. You know, the the only one I think that's uh, a WGA signatory is Jeopardy. Okay. All the other ones hire just, you know, it's, a, it's either, like cartoonists, same thing. It's, the cartooners' union is not WGA, so those guys who write for cartoons aren't really involved in that either.
2: See, and this is all stuff, these are all bits of minutia that I don't know. Okay, and so then the, I didn't know that. So the AMA Awards, if you win, you are told in advance that like you hear
17: anyway that? That's what I have been told. That's, uh, you're tipped off that you should show up. You should. You are strongly urged to show
2: because it's not like a top tier awards program, so it's not like you're just going to it's be there. It's a
17: People's Choice Award.
2: Yeah, and you're so you're not just going to be there for the glamour of it.
17: All
9: right. Yeah. All we,
2: right.
17: We uh we 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 didn't we decided not to cover that this year because the interest from affiliates has has always been pretty low, or okay. at least it has gone down, and the show cool. itself. And uh, it sucks. It's just it's a mess. Yeah. Uh.
2: All right. So we, well, the, well, the latest now is that they're going to be what? They're going to be talking after Thanksgiving or something?
17: Yeah, this next Monday, a week from today, they're supposed to reschedule. Uh, talks are rescheduled to resume. That doesn't mean anything really. It just means they're going to talk again. And I, I think the writers, they don't want to make the same mistake they made with home video, because when they made that deal several years ago, uh, a percentage of the home video sales, they never thought DVDs were going to come into play and how big that industry was going to be. They don't want to. They're still hurting from that one. Uh, so they want to make sure that they set themselves up right. On this, uh, on the new media stuff. So,
2: is this uh, is this financially impacting the networks yet?
17: No, I don't think so. I, you know, I, I, the only people I think it really impacts right now are the, uh, you know, your 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 day to day character actors, the, the guys who aren't movie stars but work every day. Right. The writers who uh, are, are just sort of getting by in a middle class sort of uh, situation. Right. You know, the, it, it's not affecting the guys at the top of their game. You know, but it, it, the John Wells and those guys, it's not, you know, it, it, the top actors and the top writers, you know, they got enough money. It's it, The guys that were walking the picket lines are the ones who are hurting.
2: Hey, I saw a couple of, you know, these have started to pop online. I know the Colbert Report guys did a YouTube video, the Daily Show guys uh, did a video that was, it was called Not the Daily Show with Some Writer and it was a uh, guy, you know, out on the picket line who did like a little mock five-minute newscast, and that kind of stuff is funny. This And then, of course, in, you know, Casting Mom's been talking about this thing in New York where the 30 Rock people and the SNL folks are in a, in a theater setting are doing live uh, live performances and live episodes and, and whatnot. So I guess if the writers were ever going to have a shot at kind of closing on their demands, this is this is the, the era and the time in which they could do so because they have more uh, media through which to make their case to the public. And frankly, the fact that, the peop- that so many of the people... So many of the public are keeping up on the writer strike via the internet does kind of lend credence to their cause that I mean that you know that it's a big medium that they should be cut in on
17: yeah, absolutely and and you know they just want to make sure Again, I think we talked about this. The producers are saying, "Well, we need a formula for this."
2: Well, and they just—they just want present it.
17: That's all they want. Yeah, you know, that way when when the studios make more money, the writers make more money. So on it's end, when they don't make it, if they don't make a lot of money, then the writers don't make a lot of money. It just seems to be fair for everybody concerned. It's not it's not rocket science for sure. Of course, it's Hollywood.
2: Hollywood is the—you know—Hollywood is the, really the—the—the—they the, um, are the Petri edition, which is that weird, uh, creative accounting. I think the term creative accounting actually originated in Hollywood. It's funny, I was talking to Sarah before the show, and Sarah bought a copy of... What, you bought Forrest Gump this weekend on DVD? I did. There was a famous court case. Not Forrest Gump, is 15 years old now. Uh, There's a a famous court case from Winston Groom, who was the guy that wrote the book Forrest Gump. And who was the studio that made Forrest Gump? Uh, Warners, somebody, anyway, whoever it is that made Forrest Gump. When the time came... Because Winston Groom, as the author of the novel on which Forrest Gump was based, he was in for a couple of points. He was in for like 2-3%. And there was this famous case where the studio um, said to him straight-facedly, they said, Well, I'm sorry, Forrest Gump just didn't make any money, Winston Groom, so we're not going to be able to pay you any royalties. And he's like, well... What are you talking about? It made like half a billion dollars, you know, around the world. Like, I'm sorry, but that was all eaten up with production costs. There's just no profit to be had. And he went to court and he had to sue them in court uh, because they, they told him, they said to him with an absolutely straight face that Forrest Gump made no money, that there was no profit there. And, I mean, that is, you know, so I, you do understand where the writers are coming from because, uh, you know, they, 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 screwing the writers is sort of job one in Hollywood sometimes. Well,
17: they are one of the least respected um, guild members of, of, uh, of Hollywood, yet they're one of the most important because it all starts with the words on the page. But they're always treated like crap. I mean,
2: they really are. Oh, no, it's true. They, uh, they, they every writer has complained, and I know people always complain about their about their gig, whatever it is. But the Writers Guild is typically known to be like the weak sister of all the unions. So,
17: but what's uh, nice is all the unions are are uh, supporting the the strike. I mean, after a SAG, you know, they're all not crossing the picket lines. Yep. That's why you know. That's why the production actually ceased. There's scripts out there. They're just not. The, the, uh, the actors just are, are refusing to work. Indeed, indeed. Solidarity, uh, brother. All right, my friend.
2: Uh, I am uh, gone the next couple of days, but I'll be back Thursday and Friday. So if you're on the clock on Thursday and Friday, we will undoubtedly talk then.
17: Well, we can maybe talk Thursday, clock or not. All right. If you want to, uh, just uh, you know how to get a hold of me. I and do uh, Friday, for sure, I'll be working.
2: All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, Jim. Roof. All righty. There you go. James Roof in Los Angeles. Yeah, and you'll have to make sure that I have his contact info for Thursday. Okay. So, no, I'll be here, but you won't. So, we should There's do that. No problemo. Right. Um, okay. Well, here's the deal. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, this, I guess this is the same woman, this Christina woman who sent me this email. She wants to take Richie perfume or cologne shopping, whatever. Um, so, she's on the line. So, we'll talk to her. We'll talk to Richie about being hit with a stun gun at some point, which I guess he was. Uh, Jack Klugman's son Adam I think we're going to talk to him for just a second uh, Later on we have Peter Carlin coming up Also a fantastic top five And uh, don't let me forget About this second worst story Really it's It's so vile There's no words I mean there are words because there's a story written about it But they don't do it justice Back after this It's the Rick Emerson Show I also like that o come Emmanuel song
6: yeah, there's that's a the good sole thing. reason I can tolerate going to church.
2: Because of the music? Yeah, as At George, Christmas. George Carlin said, the only good thing to come out of Christianity with the music. Uh, all right, here's what's coming up. Uh, so Jack Klugman was supposed to be in town today. Uh, I know that he's not going to be in town. We'll find out, wh- we'll find out why after this. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, his son Adam Klugman here in a few. Uh, let's see, what else is coming up? Great top five today. We'll spin the Wheel of Time and have a top five from a day and year that the Wheel of Time chooses. Uh, what else second worst story ever more from Tim Riley let's see uh, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian coming up uh, oh but we got some Richie speaking of Richie Bristol so we have some sounders here uh, do you have the Richie Bristol sounder from Randy I do okay this is um, Randy in Minnesota created this time to musk up
9: what cologne are you going to go with called Sex Panther by Odion. It's illegal in nine countries. It's made with bits of real panther. So you know it's good. i would mean, to be honest with you, that smells like pure gasoline. Mm-hmm. Is that Sex
6: Panther you're wearing?
2: Okay, that's pretty great.
6: I- I'm pretty I- impressed.
2: I don't remember the excuse me, is that Sex Panther you're wearing? When does that happen in the film?
6: I don't know. I don't know if that's in the film. Uh, there it might be an outtake you know. or something. All right.
2: Uh, well, that's way better than the one I did. Here's the one that I put together. Oh Richie, it's called Sex Panther. Oh Richie, by
0: Odia. Please hurry back soon.
2: It's quite pungent. Yes, yeah, that's it's
5: a... terrible. I know it's awful.
2: I was really channeling Scotty when I did that. Uh, Richie Bristol, please come to the. Uh... Let well, me. It's the only time I'll ever get to use it. Oh, Richie Bristol. Oh Richie, it's Sex Panther. Oh,
0: Back
2: soon. It's quite pungent. All right, uh, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. How are you? Do we not have guest headphones? Well, I think Scotty took them when he left. No, but they were here on Friday. I just saw them. They were here like I, they were here just the other day. I took that out of Marconi's. Oh, really? Yeah. Good for you. What they get for stealing our chairs. Uh, anywho, all right, so, Richie Bristol, now, we, we're not going to have time to talk about this stun gun business, but I know you were hit with a stun gun at some point, so we have to talk about that. Uh, the, the issue, the thing about you that everybody seems to have fixated on is that you have no sense of smell, and that as a I'm, result.
6: He's trying to get a date out of having no sense of smell?
2: Well, because. I'm he's, always trying
3: to get dates.
2: But here's the, uh, here's the thing, though. You have really made a have out of a have not, in that you have no sense of smell, and we mean that scientifically, and, and as a result of that. You are somewhat insecure about the fact that you may be giving off an unpleasant body odor, so you have gotten into the habit of carrying bottles of cologne with you everywhere you go. And people think we're making this up, but it's true. And you have, you said, by your own estimation, 25 bottles of cologne.
3: Ah, that's probably...
2: Well, the ones that you brought in were, I would say, ranged from acceptable to bad. (laughs) Uh, And so now we have uh, all these women, and they're all chicks... This, if you came up with this as just a way to get the chicks to be interested in you, well done, sir. Because we got all of this email, so we got this from this morning. This is from Christina, she says. Uh, I would love, bold type, all caps, to take Richie Cologne shopping. Um, if he cleans up nicely, I would consider taking him on a date. Feel free to call me or email me. Thanks for your consideration. Christina, do you know who this person is? Send pics. But, I mean, do you... Such a guy. Crazy. Do you... Are you on MySpace? You sound hot? Are you hot? Uh, do you know who this is? No. I mean, you, you don't know. Now, is this is this her? The email writer. Well, let's so. find out. Uh, hi, Christina. Hi. Hi. Now, are you the same Christina who wrote this email? I am. Now, am I allowed to ask why your email address ends in at clearchannel dot com?
12: Well, she we cannot confirm or deny, but I would happen to be there five days out of the week.
2: Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to. Oh, sir, you can read that there. All right. No, that's, you know what? It's just one of many, many, many people at competing media companies who choose the Rick Emerson show for their entertainment.
12: I can't help it. I mean, you know. All right. I have good
2: taste. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, And uh, by the way, I do. This is probably Adam Klugman. On the hotline here richie, so uh adam i I can see you there hang on uh tight for just a few minutes we will uh, we will get with get here in just a second all right, so um okay, so Christina, so you heard about richie's olfactory dilemma
12: I did, and I'm not too keen on the whole mixing and matching thing that's like lethal
2: no he was t- Richie was doing this great and by great, I mean great for us thing where he would take like. He would get three different bottles that were all a third full and then just mix them together, which is what my idiot brother Dave used to do with breakfast cereal. He would just take three boxes of breakfast cereal, like Wheaties, like Lucky Charms and Captain Crunch and just mix them all together when they got, you know, almost empty. Um, so, but that would
12: just make him sick where, you know, smelling all this perfume is going to affect all of you guys.
2: I like the way you think. So uh-huh. you, you are offering to take Richie cologne shopping.
12: I am. I am offering to save the world one man at a time. I found Christina's MySpace profile. How do you do
2: these things? Can I come look? Now, wait, before you, before I look at your MySpace profile, uh, what celebrity do you most closely resemble, Christina?
12: Oh, I have no idea. Richie, don't look. Uh,
2: you'd have to you tell look, me. Richie? I'm sorry. No, everybody looks like somebody, Christina.
12: Oh my God! Are you guys really looking at my picture?
2: I'm not. Only Sarah has seen it. I have <laughs> okay, not you are, you are,
12: You're a very lovely looking, lady. You must, oh, thank you.
2: You have to. You have to tell us though. What celebrity do you most resemble?
12: I I do not know. ask Sarah, hon. What do you think?
2: Oh, uh, this is punting when you ask Sarah. I don't to know.
12: because do. yeah, I'm not really good at this. You color have spot. you you yeah. have been
2: told you look like somebody. Everyone does.
12: I haven't. I honestly haven't. I just, you know, hear, oh, you're a hot nilf, and I don't know to be turned on or not. So, Richie, stay right there.
6: Stay there. Hold on. Totally Richie's type, by the way. Oh, hello. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're cute.
12: (laughs) Thank you. So, who do you think I look like? Uh, hold
2: on. We'll bring up another picture here. See. Uh, let's see here. Hold on. I don't know, Sarah.
6: She kind of looks like a um. Maybe like Vanessa Manillo.
2: I can see that. I can She's totally hot. That. I'll yeah, go with no, that. that.
12: Now
14: I will not
2: ask your age, but you are a mom.
12: Oh, I'm okay. I'm thirty. Oh, I'm happy about that. Are
2: you Are you single?
12: Possibly, depending on the
6: day. <laughs> <laughs> I, you so are, I have one of those. <laughs> you are
2: exactly our type.
6: Um, all right. Uh,
2: so, and you are offering to take a, Richie uh, to Cologne shopping now. Um, now, the, the where. Uh, well, I don't even know how to proceed with this, Sarah. So I guess the deal is that we would probably... Uh, well,
6: we should probably do this when we get back next week. Yeah, because the we thing is... We can't start this now because we're going to be gone.
2: I'm going to be off for the next two days, and then yeah. I'll be back, but it's going to be Thanksgiving. So maybe next week, early next week, uh, we'll talk to you again. Is this number you gave me the best number to reach you at?
12: It is. Uh, you, can give my, you can call me at work, too, because you know, obviously, where I work. So I mean, either one, you can call the cell, which is the number I gave you. Right. You can call me at work.
2: Okay. Uh, and so I'll tell you what, I will get in touch with you over the... Weekend early next week we'll figure out a day to talk to you in the air and then we will set up uh, perhaps a, a, a Cologne purchasing excursion for you and Richie Bristol.
12: Fabulous.
2: All right, now have you seen? Oh, as, Richie,
12: you're going to be so Have you seen?
2: Now have you seen Richie's photograph?
12: No, and I, I was going to ask, but of course, you know, I didn't want to embarrass the guy. Is there a link or something? Because I've looked and I didn't see any picture on the website.
6: Richie, would well, you... you have him on your um his.
12: I my have so many space. people on my thing.
2: Okay, is he a MySpace friend of yours? Not only
12: is he a MySpace, MySpace friend yeah. of yours,
6: Miss Christina, he's actually on your top friends.
12: Yeah, well, also so is the Piranha, and I just do advertising for him. I shouldn't say that's so terrible, but...
0: I don't know.
6: Yeah, um, do you
12: see him? I put the big blurb there. It's underneath my stuff, and I just well, so put Ritchie, him on there to you advertise the
6: site. So I really like you for not having your profile private, too. I really respect yeah. people who just...
12: I know. They're so sneaky and shady about that. I know. Yeah. But right. see, Sarah, you have okay. one, so you need to add me to yours. Okay, I
2: will. Moving on. Okay, so, deal. Okay, so Richie is in your top friend, so you, yes. you, there are, you have photos of him, so you do presumably know what he looks like. And then um, we will, uh, do we want to show Richie her, her picture now, Sarah? No, let's wait. Okay, we're going to wait. So we'll show Richie your picture later on.
6: Okay. All
2: right, we'll be in touch, and we'll talk to you early next week, Christina. Hey,
6: have a good weekend,
2: right, guys. have a good
6: holiday. There you go. That's Christina. Fantastic. All right. She's really cute. Yeah, she's cute. You should be nervous. Sounds like it, but... You never know. <laughs> oh no, I've I seen. We her, just looked at her pictures. She's
2: cute. Oh no, I know. Look, we've all worked in radio a long time. You know that got, men, women, you young, old, voice is never an indication. The voice always sounds like one thing, and then it's a whole different story. I mean that's true. With, I mean that's true with you know people who work on the radio too. You hear some guy on the radio, and then it's like, I, I thought you'd be taller. And when people say that, when people meet a DJ and they say like, Oh, I thought you'd be taller, that is code for God, you're ugly. Jesus, you're a hideous human being. All right. Uh, This is probably Adam uh, Klugman, Richie, is it not? Yep. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Adam Klugman. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. I apologize for the delay. We were sort of running behind with some things. Um, Adam Klugman, uh, son of uh, the the, the famed actor Jack Klugman, who, of course, most famous for The Odd Couple, but close to my heart because he did a series of fantastic Twilight Zone episodes.
16: Oh yeah, those are my favorite. He, you know, he was the, he did more Twilight Zones than anyone. I
2: think he may be tied with Burgess Meredith. Burgess
16: Meredith, you got it.
2: So there you go. Um, so um, I, I know that you've been very gracious to set aside a couple minutes for us. I know that uh, Jack was going to be in town today and it was maybe going to do a thing with us. But I know that, uh, that today the trip to Portland had to be postponed, delayed. Can we talk about? Can you talk
16: about that a little bit? Yeah, I can. Well, we were going to be doing a fundraiser for some uh, mid county and East Portland charities. This- serendipity center in snowcap it was going to be hosted by jefferson smith who's running for uh, house rep in district 47
2: he's he's a good friend of this program
16: oh and he's a great guy and a great candidate and wild man loves him wanted to support him and what happened was he got sick and you know he's older and he couldn't make it and he may have to go in for surgery today so you know we're everyone to keep the faith for him but he wasn't able to be here but but one thing he did say to me was you know make sure everybody comes so, you know, you know, they don't want to – I do a pretty good impression. You know, I have had a lot of practice. But he really felt it was important that we put the word out that just because he's not going to be there that that, that people don't come. The real purpose of the evening is to support, you know, the Snowcap organization to support the Serendipity Center and to support progressive candidates like Jefferson Smith, who are rare and far and few between.
2: Okay. Uh, and so that is uh, – did you have the details on when and, when and where that's going yeah. to be? it's
16: going to be at Furridge Campus. Mm-hmm. the door's open. 7.00 p.m. is the event. I have some autographed books that we're going to be auctioning off. Uh, Jefferson will be there. I'll be there. There, There's a great... Uh, DVD of Odd Couple outtakes that comes with the book, so we're going to be showing that on a big screen. Fantastic. It's just hysterical. They've been in my family for years. You know, we just used to laugh about them. And then when we did the book, because uh, my father and I published the book together, and uh, we decided we would throw them in. And Paramount gave us the licensing for nothing. They just they, they were really generous with it, and it's just hysterical. So we're, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to raise the money, and when the old man comes back, he promises we'll have another event. We'll get on the radio with you guys, and we really appreciate your support.
2: Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, is uh, is is there a website? Your father have a have a website? Some someplace people can go.
16: He doesn't, but you can go to JeffersonSmith.com. Okay. And again, it's Furbridge Campus, one one two one five Southeast Market Street. The zip is nine seven two one six. So people can Google it, Excellent. and uh, we'd love to see everybody there.
2: All right. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate it, and our thoughts go out to your father as well. I hope everything turns out well there. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. That's uh, Adam clubman What right. a well-spoken young man. Adam Clugman, son of Jack Clugman. Now, he was great. And, of course, then, he, and then he mentions uh, our good friend Jefferson Smith, who's tall and kind of intimidating. All right. Uh, all right. It's 503. Thank you. It's 503 733 two 970. Let's do this. Let's do uh, the news here, and then we'll do the second worst story ever. Then we'll have Peter Carlin and the top five next hour. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Whatnot, it's Tim Riley. And now, from
9: the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's been an earthquake off the Oregon coast. It is a
8: 5.8-er, and uh, let's see, it's about six miles deep, whatever that means. So, there's been uh, no tidal wave or anything like that, so everything's fine. Look. Say, so here's a new uh, humane weapon. American commanders in Iraq are urging the Pentagon to authorize the deployment of heat wave guns that disperse angry cows or violent rioters. Angry cows? Crowds. 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 Oh, okay. well, they could be cows. All right. Anyway, or violent rioters. But the plea from senior officials, uh, it could prove uh, to be a valuable alternative to. Traditional firepower. Now, here's, it's more humane than firing bullets at people because we're going to bake the Iraqis like potatoes (laughs) with this weapon. (laughs) So, it's more humane than waterboarding people and shooting bullets at them. (laughs) You sound like Patton just then. Right. You
2: sound like, we're going to bake the Iraqis like potatoes.
8: So, basically, this is what this does. It's a brand new technology. We're going to cook your skin and eat your bones. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see. So, uh, apparently, this would work well if they let them do it. Uh, let's see here, I had... Uh... Oh, it's called the Sunshine Project.
2: <laughs> In keeping with the long history of innocuous military names for things that are incredibly violent, the Sunshine Project. So what does it do? I... Boils the skin right off your body.
8: A former Pentagon official says, if I had the option of being shot by a bullet or this, I would choose this. But there's not that much known that about it like yet. seems like a little bit of a Hobson's choice there. Mm-hmm. So right. that's from the uh, Pentagon. Fantastic. Uh, let's see. So they they want to learn how this works. So our, Iraq is apparently the best place to do this. Uh, I had more details on this. It it, it bakes uh, it bakes your innards from the inside. Oh, oh God! <laughs> it stops you in your tracks apparently. So, why not try it? Why can't they market this
2: for for holiday cooking? You know what I mean? That'd be great. Point well, like at, a turkey? No, you just, or even something small. You know what I mean? You need to heat up a little cobbler, you know, point it at it. <sniffs> cobbler done.
8: Well, we'll see how it works out in the Iraqis. Then oh. it can be adopted for civilian use.
2: Can you imagine just the, the, the mischievous applications if they ever market this for consumers for like cooking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. It'd be little brothers pointing that at it, big brothers all over the place.
8: So, this can be targeted at troublemakers at 750 meters. These are high powered radio waves. Uh, and they caused the molecules of the uh, targeted person's skin to vibrate violently, causing a burning sensation. <laughs> it's a microwave, basically. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So, uh, yeah, it's time to bake the Iraqis. So we'll hey, see how that turns it, out.
2: By the way, Tim, I'm going to pass you the story, if you don't mind. I have a wonderful. great story here. This We get this story about once every three months. It's not the one about the cameras in the U.K., and it's not the one about the flower that smells like rotting flesh. Uh, it's Who knows what other story we get about every 90
6: days? Sarah? I don't know. My mind's just full of, like, all the Jenkins stories and all those stupid ones that we've no, been reading.
2: we get this story several times a year. Sam, I've highlighted the salient passages. This is from the Wall Street Journal.
6: Can you give a hint? No, here we go again.
2: <laughs> I think it's too late for that.
8: It has to do with schools. Dateline Argyle, Texas. Now, Karen Miller, who's 53, saw her first freak dance four years oh, ago God when she was that. chaperoning a high school dance attended by her freshman daughter. This
2: one has fantastic quotes in it, though.
8: One boy was up close to her girl's back, bumping and grinding to the pounding beat of the music. I thought, that's just gum nasty. She, she actually me says that.
2: Where is it? Argyle, Texas? Yeah, Argyle, Texas. She actually refers to it as dad gum nasty. Mm-hmm. I think in a non-ironic fashion. So, uh,
8: Mrs. Miller, where were we talking about her the other day? <laughs> Mrs. Miller, when not belting out her versions of the classics, took the initiative and broke it up. School employees oh. at the dance seem oblivious. Hold on, now I have to find the... You. you can go ahead. Well, they're oblivious no longer. A new result by school officials in this booming Dallas suburb of Argyle uh, suggests dancing and skimpy clothing has sparked a rancorous debate over what boundaries should be set for teenagers' self-expression. Argyle is joining a long list of other schools around the country that have banned the hip-hop-inspired dancing known as grinding or freak dancing. Now, this is a once-sleepy farm community. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, education officials fear the current cleavage-bearing dress styles combined with sexually charged dancing could lead to an unsafe environment.
2: This is exactly what we were talking about earlier, about how when you're an adult, you somehow just sanitize everything that ever happened when you were growing up. Right.
8: Uh, this isn't just shaking your booty. This is ah! pelvis to pelvis physical contact in the private areas and then moving around. Wonderful. All right, and
2: that was uh, the spokesperson, was Mrs. Miller.
8: It's been a hard
0: day's night, and I'm like a dog.
2: Wonderful.
8: All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, Nicole Kidman says, quote, she was really, really scared during a breakneck drive in January 2005 when she was sued by a photographer, Jamie Fawcett. She was testifying in Sydney in a defamation case against a paparazzi. And uh, let's say she says she crouched in the back of the car for most of the ride. Earlier, Kidman said her driver told her the pursuing vehicle ran a red light and jumped a concrete divider. She once said she had a restraining order against his paparazzi. An Australian court has already filed that an article in the Sun Herald, the famed Fawcett. The current proceedings provide an opportunity for the newspaper to prove a defense in the defamation finding. Airline passengers are already required at airport checkpoints to remove their shoes, take off their coats, and carry only small bottles of liquids. Now they have a new task. Pack neatly. In anticipation for the most popular holiday for travel in the U.S., the Transportation Safety Administration launches a campaign urging you to eliminate clutter and carry-on bags. You know, I'd like to
2: launch a campaign urging them to eat one. Mm-hmm. Eat a full bag.
6: That's hey, a... our stuff wouldn't be so goddamn messy if you didn't rifle through it in the first place.
8: Seriously. It's going to be stopped. So uh, get ready. Uh This neat and tidy... uh
2: Neat and tidy. F you. Neat and tidy. You know what? I don't care. Is there a whole thing that it's going to take me longer to get through if I don't pack tidily?
8: I suppose so, yeah. Well, you know
2: what? I don't care. I don't care. doesn't matter. If it makes more work for the TSA, that's fine if by anything, me. If anything,
6: I'm packing messy from Seriously, now on.
2: I urge I'm not everyone... I'm anything... Don't roll You're the fold. You're packing messily with Bin Laden. No, that's... A, yeah, why must you... Why do you hate America? Uh, I, I'm i going to pack messily every time I fly from now on. F them. All right, so... I've got this horrible story. Oh, I want to hear it. Well, here's the thing. Now, we do this feature uh, in our hunt for the second worst story ever. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if we're going to do this... Uh, do a full face-off here. The current champion is Gruesome Case of Neglect at Volusia County Hospital... Uh. Including the phrase... I'm just going to read this one phrase. There were sores all over his arm, and in his left eye, doctors found lots of maggots. So there's that.
8: That Um, that sounds like a good one. Our good friend Todd the Corpse
2: sent us this story. I hold here in my hands. This is WCHS. I do believe this is in West Virginia, Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, all the good things come from. Yes, West Virginia's eyewitness news. So here's the choice. I have this story that either I could read or that I could have Tim read, or I've got the audio of the story. I don't think it's fair to have the audio... How do I put this? I don't think it's fair to enter this in the second worst story ever contest if I'm going to use the audio, because Mm -hmm. I think it's apples and oranges then. One is intrinsically more exciting than the other. I think you're right. So here's the choice, and I will let you all decide here. I can either just read the story and make it it, and enter it in the competition for Worst Story Ever. Or I can play the audio, but it will not be in competition.
6: Well, do you feel like it has a strong chance in the Worst Story Ever? I do. Then I think we should do that.
2: How about this? How about this? Because
6: I never want to hear the maggot eyeball one again. (laughs) How about
2: this? I will do the competition here, and then win, lose, or draw, I'll play the audio of the story afterward. How about that? I'll play the audio later. Okay. All right. So I will do the competition and then I will play the audio later, Richie. Um okay, I see that guy on line 1, Steve there. Richie, you'll have to take his contact info and we'll have to get him on another time because I'm we, we got to clear the phones here because we're about to do uh, our search for the second worst story ever. Yeah, so you'll have to um yeah, just you'll have to you, just, just get his info and we'll talk to him at a, at another time because uh yeah, we're going to have to have all these lines available here. So do not call yet. Uh let me find the uh where's the bed for this? All right, there we go. All right, it's time for another exciting installment of. Let ah, me if I can find the paper of our search for the second worst story in the history of the world. I just bit my lip. All right. Yeah. You know how we play our game. We're going to read two horrifying news stories. At the conclusion of the second story, you must then uh, to be calling five zero three. 733 503 to tell us which story is the worst. Here is story number one and reigning champion from WFTV.com, uh, Channel 9 in Florida. Gruesome case of neglect alleged at Volusia County Hospital. A neglect case at Volusia County Hospital was so severe that Eyewitness News felt it had to be reported. Sarah's covering her ear. However, the details are uh. disturbing. The victim was a resident of University Center West in DeLand, and, have, uh, and investigators have questioned several of the staff members there, trying to figure out how the man ended up with sores, infections, and organisms living on his face. Doctors at Florida uh, Florida Hospital DeLand discovered the situation Wednesday when a man from University West Center came in with breathing problems, but his symptoms went far beyond that. While in the center's hospital, police reports say the man developed an infection from a breathing tube. A catheter had been pulled out at least three inches. There were sores on his arm, and his left eye was, quote, full of maggots. Scientists told Eyewitness News the maggots were likely attracted to the man's eye by his many sores. There you go. That's story number one. It's worth it just to see you fridge. Here's story number two. This is from WCHS in West Virginia. uh, By Patrick uh, McMurtry. Says here, you've heard about mouse droppings in food bins, spoiled food on buffet tables, and roach infestations in our Behind the Kitchen Door series. This time, Patrick McMurtry has a special report with what he calls... The most disgusting thing he has seen since he began investigating local kitchens. Inspectors found a nasty odor in the aristocrat, that should be your tip-off, the aristocrat bar in Huntington. They went back and discovered the disgusting truth. The nasty kitchen odor was coming from... The nasty kitchen odor was coming from from fluids oozing from the bar owner's legs
0: <gasps> oh,
2: no now it gets better no! Why? carl so scarberry made
6: up. that is made up
2: <laughs> right that here made up i got the audio later Carl Scarberry is the owner of The Aristocrat. The bar remains open despite years of health reports showing the floors were soiled from blood and bodily fluids from his many leg ulcers. Ulcer. Which, this is so full of great sentences. Sarah, you have to hear this next sentence. Why? This is written in the first person now by uh, the reporter, Patrick McMurtry. He says, I finally caught up with Mr. Scarberry. His legs weren't leaking but they were swollen red and yellow we weren't allowed inside but the place smelled horrible the last inspection we found showed that there was still a foul odor from the fluid draining from mr scarberry's legs apparently there's nothing the county health department can do to shut down the aristocrat inn permanently but that doesn't fly with folks who find it hard to believe this is allowed to go on as it stands now the aristocrat bar in huntington can stay open I'm reading this now directly from the article. Can stay open with the bodily fluids oozing for years to come. Fantastic. There you go. That's story number two. You didn't think anything could be worse than the maggots. I don't mean to influence the voting. It's 503-733-2970. Please now to be calling. To tell us which story you find the worst here on KCMD Portland. 503. 503- seven three three two nine seventy i will briefly recap each story no
6: you don't need to know
2: a choice sentence. They for heard. story number one gruesome case of neglect at volusia county hospital featuring this phrase there were bed sores on his left arm and in his left eye doctors found many maggots story number two nightmare behind the kitchen door the nasty odor in the kitchen was coming from Fluids oozing from the bar owner's legs. Fantastic. We'll take your votes now at 503-733-2970. Uh, hi, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Which story do you find to be the worst?
3: Uh, story number two girls and one cup.
2: <laughs> Good reference. Thank you. Bye now. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Hello. Yes. Hi, this is you. Uh Which uh, story,
3: which story, sorry. Which story is the worst? I'm still trying to shake it off. It, it, it's got to be number two.
2: All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Uh, it's all part of the slice of culture that is West Virginia. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
5: Yeah, the first story The first story sounded like uh, the living corpse in seven, but i got to go with number two.
2: All uh, right, number two. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst?
3: Number two, and he should change his name to Scabberry. Huh. The aristocrat.
2: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Which story do you find to be the worst?
3: Yeah, number two.
2: All right, excellent. But
3: my question is, yeah. if it's
5: that bad, why is anybody going to the bar still?
2: That's a good question. As why patrons. And really, since apparently the stench hits you as soon as you walk okay. in the door, I'm just saying. And,
5: and, how and I... you'd think that the bar would close by itself because the customers would stop coming. Or
2: he would just have oozed to death. <laughs> All right. Bye now. All
5: right.
0: All right.
2: I. Uh, you know what kind of. Sarah, you know what kind of gun this guy uses to defend his bar? Unoozy. <laughs> Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst?
9: Uh, Oozing body parts among food service workers is nothing new, so it's the first one.
2: All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Which story do you find to be the worst?
10: Uh, it's got to be the second one.
2: All right. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst?
17: Uh, who hasn't oozed when they're aching food for people? Come on, number one is worse. <laughs> All right, oh. thank you.
2: Uh, hi, you're on... The, think about this the next time you're in a restaurant. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
8: Story, story number one.
2: Now, if I can ask, why story number one? I hey, mean, negative, not your eyes, come on. <laughs> okay, well, good point. Touche. Uh, who can argue with that? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. We'll do, like, one more bank. Hi, uh, which story do you find to be the worst?
15: got to be number one. A dude's got something living in his eye, poke around back there. How'd you like that?
2: All right. Thank you. And the the irony is you probably couldn't see the maggots. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Which story do you find to be the worst? Number two, man. All right. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Hi, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, Which story do you find to be the worst? Number two. Thank you. How long are we going to vote on this? i like two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Two more calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst?
3: Hi, uh, number two, and I just—I wonder if he serves Uzo
17: at
2: his bar. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Excellent.
17: Well
8: done.
2: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst?
8: Hi. Am...
2: Now we'll never know. <laughs> uh, final call. Hi, Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, which? Too bad we had to believe that. Uh, which story do you find to be the worst?
15: You cannot go wrong with maggots in your eye.
2: So that's a vote for number one. Yes, please. All right, there you go.
15: All right, our
2: winner and new champion from WCHS, a nightmare behind the kitchen door featuring this phrase, at the aristocrat bar, the nasty odor was coming from fluids oozing from the... Sorry. Sarah's covering hers again. Fluids oozing from the bar owner's legs. Yeah. Sexy. Hey, but guess what? When we get back, we'll play the audio from this story. It's 503 uh, 733 Also, Peter Carlin, Tim Riley, and a fantastic top five. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 733
9: 2978. All right. Uh, let's see.
2: I'm looking at my email here. We got a uh, few minutes. I think we're talking to Peter Carlin from the Oregonian here in a few. Maybe. Maybe not. I think we are. Uh, what else? Tim Riley's coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour with more news. We'll have today's top five. Oh, and i got to play this audio from the second worst story ever. I feel like I should wait to see if we're going to have Peter Carlin here. Will he called? Uh, just, that was just a little passive, uh, a passive uh, request for Richie to, uh, there it goes. to hit the. Let's, uh, let me just look at the uh, screen here and just. Uh, we'll wait for a second to see if I. Uh... Excellent. It's 503 733
6: 2970. Do you have anything for him to say? Or do you
2: have do, uh, something to welcome him with? Yeah. Why? Do you, Sarah?
6: I think I might if you give me just one second. All right. All right.
1: Do you hear that? It's me whacking it against the desk.
2: fantastic let's welcome well done let's welcome now to the rick emerson show from the oregonian with a heart full of hate and a head full of hostess cream pies peter carlin hello sir
13: that was my line man hey how are you how are you
2: doing brother i'm good how are you i am fantabulous are you really i am that good yes have you been outside no it's raining yeah. yeah, Like a lot. It's Portland. I mean, it, it was raining this morning. It was raining last night. It was raining yesterday.
13: Oh, no. I know. Mean, it could just... to be a bit much. This is the kind of weather that people think about when they think that they never want to live here.
2: This is the sort of weather that they think about as they're throwing a strap over their shower rod. <laughs> it really is true. Over the long holiday weekend, friendless, joyless, alone. Uh, no, it. I mean, you know, no, not to bring the room down. Um it, <laughs> It's funny, I was actually just talking to Susan Reynolds, our marketing director, about... We were talking about the rain and the weather, and I was noting that when... it, It seems like, for some perverse reason, the universe sets it up so that everybody who moves to Portland does so right as the rainy season is beginning, and they're always moving from some really warm and dry locale, when... This is actually funny on two different levels. When uh, when I moved here with my wife in '98, she is she, you know she lived in Florida and then Utah, and then we were living in San Diego at the time. So she had no experience with the Northwest, didn't know anything about Portland at all. And so we're living in San Diego. I get the gig up here, and uh, you know I came up here for the interview, and they offer me the job. And I'm like, call home. I'm like, hey, start packing our crap. we The Simpsons are moving to you know to Portland, and. Um, and she's like, well, tell me about Portland. What's it like? And I said, well, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's great, and it's you, know, it's, you know, whatever. And it was in November, and I'm trying to describe it. And she's like, well, let me look. And so she goes online, and there was some webcam that she found, like a Portland cam.
0: Yeah.
2: And, she, and first of all, it's a, it's a Portland cam pointing right at St. John's. Yeah. Secondly, it was like November 9th. So she just sees St. John's gray covered in, like, pouring, drizzling rain. Yeah. And she's like, this looks sort of horrible and Awful, and I, I had to try to explain to her that it's not really that way everywhere or all year long. But she moved here at the height of the rainy season from San Diego, which is so beautiful that it's almost painful. And she just hated me for about six months. I can I mean, think, yeah, yeah, just just a fill. And we just um we have uh, somebody who uh, up until recently worked here, who had come here from Phoenix. And I mean, just, and I think it's actually going back to Phoenix, and while he quite liked it here, his wife, I think he's been here for about a year and a half, and his wife, every single day they were here, the wife just hated it. Who's that? Uh, some guy. Some dude? Some guy in some other building. Man. Uh I, I, don't, I, I don't want to say no one of consequence, but I mean, no, not nobody in an on-air position. Nobody you would probably know. Uh, but his wife just hated every single day they were here. She just was just like, F you, why did you bring me here? You know, so. Really? Anyway, what can you do? That's well, a
13: troubled relationship right there. Well... It would be, it would be, I, I don't know that. that really? Do that you urge merely, them to get counseling?
2: Merely, merely your, it's merely your speculation. I don't have to now. They live in Arizona again. So
13: oh, yeah. They're out of our yeah. hair. Screw them. Hey, so I
2: don't, I was reading your comment. I don't, I, I'm unclear about this show, Quarter Life, that you're
13: talking about. Are you? What's what's unclear about it? So this it is, too. okay,
2: but this is not a TV show. This is like a web a web, web webisode, webcast, whatever they're calling it, that's a web-only television program?
13: Oh, but dude, oh, but dude, the news has changed so much, even since this morning. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, so the show Quarter Life, yeah.
2: This is from the 30-something, my so-called life, guys.
13: Exactly right.
2: Now, could they not find the television network to pick the show up until they just started to foist it off onto the idiot masses via the web?
13: Well, um, yes and no. Okay. So, first they developed it for ABC, and ABC was all like, eh so uh so
2: (laughs) is that the actual the the memo just said "eh."
13: that's how they talk signed okay and so then they were all like so then they're like okay well screw you we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna be modern and come up with some hello hi what was that i don't know i think there's sounds happening in your head peter
2: (laughs) are the roaches crawling all over you
13: and, with, and they're playing piano music. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So what they did is that. So then they decided. I don't know if this came. If they came up with some sort of artsy uh, financing or what it is that they did, but they they started airing the thing on um, this website last week, QuarterLife.com, and it's also somewhere in MySpace, just in little like 15, 16 minute mini segment episode lit on web web things. To use a lot of terms, and then you're,
2: you're really just desperately trying to find one term that sums the whole thing up, and you can't really find one term that sums this all up. So you're just cramming them together like so much conversational fruitcake.
13: True, and eventually one of it will one of those will begin to fly. All right. So uh, so anyway, so then they began to do this, but meanwhile, even before all this uh, hit the internet. The, uh, they were in talks with a, uh, savvy NBC, reali- who have already realized, of course, that, uh, if the strike goes on, they're gonna run out of original programming, toot sweet So why not take this already produced quarter something show? And, uh, and put it on their air, which is what, which is precisely what they're going to do. So, in other words, it's a webisode show, which is going, or a, a netcast or something that's now going to actually become a TV show too.
2: So, this is programming that was actually not good enough for the network to pick up. What, what with the incredibly high standards of well,
13: ABC? Good enough. I mean, or NBC. Think about what they already put on the air, and then ask oh, yes. yourself whose, which criteria are we using? <laughs> that, is, that is true. Okay.
2: So, anyway, so, these, so they're going to be. Is this because these are already shot and done and finished? Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's good, actually, because is the show any good?
13: and also maybe it has something to do now I'm thinking aloud whether it might have something to do with whether these the writers or whoever works for that show work under a different contract than the ones who work for the network. Because because so I just uh, guessed that I have no clue whether that's true well, or not uh, well
2: because it's internet crap well because we uh, were talking to somebody to, blah, blah, blah. we were talking to Jim Roop from CNN earlier who was talking about the AMA awards which were last night I guess and, and I didn't realize that the ever- American
13: Medical Association yeah, yes Quincy uh, swept it again oh man I hate it when that happens
2: I guess that everybody who writes the award shows they're under a different contract too so the award shows will continue god bless them the award shows will continue to be churned out relentlessly no matter how long the strike goes on god (laughs) the best thing about you is how any number of things on television in fact whole categories of programming on television a medium you presumably care about just fill you with unbridled and barely concealed contempt and loathing
13: but feeling contempt is still caring isn't it sure why not
2: well, look, I don't we fill four hours a day with that with contempt. I mean you know what I'm, I'm saying? yeah, I'm no one to pass judgment on that, so uh, well, is the show any good Quarter Life? yeah, no
13: okay <laughs> I mean it's not awful
2: that's wonderful, so we've just spent like fourteen minutes talking about something that really, in some total, I shouldn't even be watching
13: well, it's sort of interesting I mean, you can i mean, but the thing is it has this this kind of this this sort of gee whiz sense of its own um uh. Currency like how fresh and hip it believes that it is. It's a weather show. Yeah, Yeah. and so and so all the characters that main character in particular Spends a lot of time Talking in 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 large abstractions about how much she knows about her generation and the people around her Uh, And I believe uh, that is actually the 55 year old uh, Producers of the show believing that they know so much about their children's generation. how,
2: How old is the main character?
13: Uh, Somewhere in the in the cute post collegiate stage. So like 22, something like that. And she's and she's being
2: written by uh, two 55 year old guys.
13: Presumably, unless they have a staff of much younger people, which they probably do.
2: That is probably now. See, that's an interesting idea for uh, for a sitcom or whatever. I mean, now 30 Rock is sort of doing this, but I I would like the. It, you know, what's interesting to me is not even really the show. I mean, I haven't seen it. It just doesn't sound all that good. What's interesting to me is do and this is what Herskovitz and um um. The I other two. Z- uh, Z- 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 Zix, Wix, Z- uh, something? One of those, yeah. Yeah, because they did They did 30-something. I-, I love the idea of of them sitting in a room churning out these stories, but then running through a filter of young people who sit there to try to make them sound authentically young. <laughs> and, you know, it, because you know that those conversations happen. You know that yeah. that stuff takes place. Um, like there was that famous thing that happened in about 94 during the so-called Grunge explosion when the New York Times called the front desk of Sub Pop Records, and they were doing a whole piece about, about grunge culture, and they asked the woman who answered. It's just like somebody just happened to be walking by the phone at Sub Pop. She picked it up, and it's so-and-so from the New York Times saying, Hey, I'm doing a piece on the you kids and your crazy grunge lexicon. What do the grungies say? <clears throat> and the woman on the fly, it's pretty brilliant actually, a little a nice little bit of culture, Jimmy. The woman just on the fly made up a whole fake grunge vocabulary, And the New York Times uh, just printed it verbatim, completely, completely printed it without bothering to check it at all. Yeah. And and, I mean, it was just complete, like, made out of whole cloth, um, which was both great and terrible. So anyway, so that's kind of, anyway, I don't even know where I was going with this.
13: Uh, It just means the man can't bust our music.
2: Well done. Good reference for you. And you know which company said that? Columbia. Yes. Uh, there you go. So Thank that, you very much. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, and the thing is, the Peter is now you're referring to a famous uh, print ad that ran in a lot of underground and sort of alternative music magazines in the
13: seventies, the late sixties, I believe. Yeah, later. and
2: it was the man, and the ads just said, "The man can't bust our music." Yeah, and it was Columbia Records, <laughs> one of the largest conglomerate record, even at that time, it was a huge record label. I mean, yeah. it, what they were, they were themselves the man, running these big ads. Do you have a copy of that? No, sure. Oh, I, I, would, yeah, I would. I would love to have a copy of that ad. Columbia Records taking out a big ad and like the Village Voice and the man can't bust our music. So who do, who did they suppose the man was? Um.
13: Jay, your Hoover? I don't know.
2: I, I, I don't know. I mean, Clive Davis? It's, I don't understand exactly who they thought the man was. So you know, Clive right. Davis
13: is hip. Plus, he was working at Columbia at the time. I suppose. He's yep. a he's a freak.
2: You know what Clive Davis looks like? Clive Davis looks like Lefty Rosenthal, that guy that Robert De Niro plays in, in Casino. He's got those weird glasses that are like a dark dark violet tint to them. You know, they're like a purple tinted lens.
13: Yeah, so yeah. Looks like he got you know like he has a
2: guy that put your head in a vice in the back room or something. Why not? All right. So anyway, well, Quarter Life done. Don't have to care about that anymore. Yeah,
13: but there's another cool show that you want to check out on the net called uh, The Berg, which is shot by, which is like the real version of Quarter Life because it's actually produced and shot by freaky New York kids okay. who, uh, in in Williamsburg, and uh, and it's about their life and it's way more raw and way more uh, way funnier and just feels more. Is sort it a of,
2: scripted show?
13: Yeah, it's scripted. But
2: it but it's good. Yes the bird it
13: is it's it's you know I've watched a couple episodes of it it's a little hit and miss it's a little you know but it doesn't it just doesn't ad- it adhere to that uh, the traditional sort of pacing and, and aesthetic that you're used to on 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 TV dramas which is actually both simultaneously uh um quarter life's strength and flaw which is that it's exactly it's a professional, as a TV show. But I'm sorry, it's like every other show already sure. on TV. So
2: well, and I mean, even here's the thing about about uh, Herskovitz and, and Zwick is they already they had a, you know they they had two great shows in a row, and uh, which is difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, one is is hard enough to do, but they had thirty something, and then they had My So Called Life, mm-hmm. and I, I guess they had some crap after that that nobody watched. But uh, but even. As look as much as I loved my so called life and as much as I loved 30 something and I really did um, both of those shows did occasionally they walked right up to the edge of just being very precious and aware as you said of aware of how sort of, of how great and quirky and sort of touchy feely they were yeah and those guys you know they 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 always ran right up against the, the line of self parody so I think when you run right up against the line of self parody for most of your career you inevitably fall on the wrong side of that demarcation
13: it happens to me about every day. Yeah, no, it happened to me ten years ago, and
2: I've just—I've never bothered to go back. I find it's easier just to live here in the land of mediocrity.
13: That's yeah.
2: And we're done. Uh, hey, are you on next week, sir?
13: No, I'm actually going to be out of the country next week. Really? Where are you going? Oh, wait. Back.
2: This is you're going to. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. You're going
13: to Belize. No.
2: <laughs> were you in Belize?
13: I was. Oh, but, but you're not going. That was already. That already happened. Okay. Where are you going? uh to to a, to a secret seek You can like we're going to stalk you in
2: Peru or wherever it
13: is I'm no going to England
2: England oh really where why for what reason just cuz for uh on assignment for professional reasons. Oh, because of the McCartney book. Or no, I'm sorry, not the McCartney book. The, oh, yeah, the McCartney book. <laughs> no. yeah. I'm sorry. I was trying to make sure that I didn't F it up, and then I did. Well, um, so, okay. you're, so you're going there for the McCartney book? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, uh, safe. Uh, how long are you there for? Two weeks. Okay, well, have a safe trip. Thank you. And uh, we will speak with you when you return, my friend. Have a happy Thanksgiving.
13: Thank you, you too. Best to you and yours, Peter Carlin. And yours. Not you, though, but just yours.
2: Thanks so much. All right. There you go. Read him in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. I love that guy. All right.
6: Me too. He's he's a little crazy today. I like things like that.
2: Should we take a break, or do you want to hear the oozing story?
6: Oh, no, let's break.
2: Okay. We'll come back with Tim Riley, the audio from The Worst Story Ever, and uh, we'll do the top five. Great top five today. All right. Uh, Don't forget, uh, best of tomorrow and Wednesday, although Sarah and Tim will be here. Uh, And then we will be live on Thursday for our annual Halloween. Halloween. Hi. (laughs) I'm in vacation mode. Uh, We'll be back Thursday for our annual Thanksgiving program. And then uh, live Friday as well. That's the hell I'm doing. Anyway, back after this. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, coming up, the top five and the audio from the second worst story you've ever heard. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth,
8: is Tim
9: Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
8: Mike Tyson has been sentenced to 24 hours in jail and three years probation. This bore a direct possession. He pled guilty to a single felony count of cocaine possession back in September. And then he was, uh, let's see, he'll be serving his jail time, uh, tomorrow morning. And left the courthouse without speaking to anyone. Time Hickwatch. Hick Watch.
2: Here's your Hick Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson
9: Show. Copenhagen makes me feel secure. So Copenhagen the way I know it should. While well, I put a little in my mouth, go spinning, slobbering all around the house. Copenhagen
8: makes me feel secure. So oh yeah. This comes to us in Texas, Reviewers have found 109,263 errors and sample copies of math textbooks to be used next fall in Texas. How many errors in the math books? 109,263,000. In ju- insert joke here about how that number is probably not even close to accurate. Uh one-second grade math book, for example, has 4 plus 7 equaling 10. <laughs> this explains so much, doesn't it? Many of these errors are spread over 164 textbooks and online materials, they're blamed on the translation from English to Spanish. Of course. they add differently than we do? Yes, because
2: in, in, in Spanish, 4 plus 7 does equal 10. That's mm-hmm. a little-known fact.
8: Uh, the math books were expected to be error-free. <laughs> really? By the time classes begin. They're aiming high there in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston-based publishing giant Holton Mifflin companies responsible for 79% of the errors uh, funded both student and teacher material. That's wonderful. That's your Hickwatch.
2: All right, there you go. There's your watch from Hon.
0: Copenhagen makes
17: me feel good. Copenhagen, the way I know it should. Well, I put a little chew in my mouth, goes spitting, slobbering all around the house. Copenhagen makes me feel good. Yes, we do. Excellent.
2: How about you? Who wants a Britney watch? Oh, I do I do. I do, I do. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your Britney watch for Monday. I hold that
8: Yes, it was another night, another dangerous traffic maneuver for Britney Spears. Hours after being forbidden to drive with the kids, the singer was back behind the wheel, showing a total disregard for safety. This video of Spears about to make a left-hand turn over their signal flashing when suddenly changes her mind and makes a sharp right instead, cutting off several other drivers. Her Mercedes is still missing its license plate nearly two weeks after she was ordered to obtain one.
2: I mean, I know her defense was that you didn't have to have a plate for seven days, mm-hmm. but she first got hit for it, I think, almost three weeks ago. So it's, it's really stunning she hasn't been in an accident by now. I mean, you've got to figure that mm-hmm. that's going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, the law of averages dictates she almost has to be in an accident sometime soon.
8: And now she's on the offensive with her battle with FedEx, is now seeking the help of professionals, not the mental kind, but detectives. It seems the pop wreck wants to prove that she isn't the only one in need to monitor the kids. Uh, TMZ has learned that Brittany has hired a team of investigators who are trying to collect info. They've allegedly got photos and videos showing Kevin breaking the law. Spears witness Cape, uh, Cape Red smoking dope and drinking beer all around the kids. Her camp hopes this will turn the tables in the custody battle until this point. It's been completely one-sided against uh, Britney. There you go.
2: Fantastic. There's your Britney watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. By the way, I have a little bit of a trivia about Nickel Arcade. So we were at the Grindhouse Film Festival this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Myself and Lara and Aaron and Siegfried and um, uh, Kat, we were all there. And uh, Brent from the Muddy River Nightmare Band was there. And he has got about 15 hours in the can of a zombie film that, of course, because he's in a band, they were making a zombie film. And the film hasn't been completed yet, but they got like 15 hours of footage. And so Brent uh, is in that. And Peter from Nickel Arcade is in the film. And he plays a guy who kills Brent. How weird is that? Really? He told me that. I, I forget who's a zombie and who's not, but he's like, yeah. He's like, Peter from Nickel Arcades in our movie, he kills me. So at some point, that'll uh, maybe come out. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, here's what I got. I got this uh, audio from okay. this terrible story, and then I got the top five. We have to do the audio first, because after today, it would be dated. There'll be no point. Okay. Don't you Let's think? Do yes. Okay, this is a report from WCHS. This is the audio from the second worst story you've ever heard.
0: Ew. It's pretty sick. I'm calling.
4: Erica Melvin walks away in disbelief, telling her mom what she just found out about the aristocrat bar. Now, the story starts three years ago with this health report. Inspectors found a nasty odor in the bar. <sighs> they went back and discovered the disgusting truth. The nasty odor was coming from fluids oozing from the bar owner's legs. By the way, I have to tell you, <laughs> I have to tell you, here's how disgusting, here's,
2: here's what a bad Uh, what a bad person I am Todd the corpse sent me the story I think on Friday night it was all I could do to make it through the weekend without like
9: telling him listen to this
2: I could not wait for Monday to get here that's that's how bad uh, I am inside I could not wait for Monday to get here this is just chock full of great sentences
5: Uh, owner has some medical problems which causes a uh... His legs to weep, and therefore the the bar then has a foul
4: odor sometimes.
11: There needs to be some kind of law against that. That's These are people on the street. It's unhealthy.
6: It's pretty foul. I wouldn't want to go there.
4: But I did. I wanted to find out how a man's legs could leak fluids onto the floor of his bar for years. I really wanted to see what the place looked, or more importantly, smelled like. Carl Scarberry is the owner of the aristocrat. The place doesn't do a whole lot of business. At least we're told they don't sell much beer. But something keeps them open despite three years of this. Another report from two thousand five showing the floor is soiled with blood and bodily fluids from leg ulcers. And again the next year, another report. Three months later, more leaking leg fluids in several locations inside the bar. <laughs> I finally caught up with mister. So Scarberry. great that it's called the aristocrat. No, no, this ain't for advertising, it's for a news story. It ain't for advertising. Well, about what? Well, I want to talk to you about the condition of the bar and your, I guess, the lesions and stuff on your legs. We've I had,
9: don't have no lesions or nothing on my legs.
4: Okay. I don't know what they, where the hell come from. I don't have Why any. No, rim, on rim, rim. Rim. We've had a lot of calls about it and people complaining and what Well, whatnot. you can see right there. There's nothing there. Well, can we show it for the camera? No, I'm busy. It's it's cotton cotton his legs weren't leaking, but they were swollen red and yellow. His
14: legs weren't leaking. place smelled and
4: horrible and we weren't even allowed inside.
14: Disgusting is a very good word.
4: <laughs> okay. I hate
14: it. I mean, that's, I can't believe they have a business like that open.
4: And the legs just kept draining on the floor of the aristocrat <laughs> on into 2007. The last inspection we found showed there was still a foul odor from the exit draining from Scarberry's legs. Mills says there is nothing the Cabell County Health Department can do to shut the aristocrat down permanently.
5: His legs... Don't look good they don't smell good but it's not a health hazard
4: but that doesn't fly with folks like erica who find it hard to believe this kind of kitchen door nightmare is allowed to go on in the 21st century it's my new favorite well, that's radio ridiculous. Uh, TV that should have
6: been nipped in the bud the first time it happened it shouldn't have happened over and over repeatedly our department needs to shut them down is what they need to
4: do but they can't shut it down And that means, unless something has changed, Scarberry's legs can go on leaking, oozing fluids onto the floor of this bar for years to come. That's the best sentence. That's a McMurtry, Eyewitness News. That's
2: wonderful. Let me just, the last sentence is pat. That
4: means, unless something has changed, Scarberry's legs can go on leaking, oozing fluids onto the floor of this bar for years to come. (laughs) In Huntington, Patrick McMurtry, Eyewitness News.
2: You never think you're going to hear a phrase like that on television. And then there it is. That's from WCHS Patrick McMurtry, my new favorite reporter on my new favorite TV station.
8: He deserves an Edward R. Murrow Award.
2: You know, that really is... Well, let's be honest. That is some pretty brave reporting, because he went up and interviewed the guy who looks a lot like Cotton Hill. We probably don't have time for the top five here, do we? If you want to. Well, Sarah, what time is it? I
6: don't care. What I really do feel kind of sick.
2: <laughs> Your will to live has been sapped.
6: Well, we have like six minutes. We could do it if we do it fast.
2: No, 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 no. no. It's, it's, the top five is so good... Here's how good this top five is. I'm going to put it off till next Monday. I'll do a top five on Thursday when I'm back, and I'll do it, you know, on Thanksgiving. I'll do a Thanksgiving top five, and then I'll do one on Friday. But since you are going to be here, I'm going to save this one for next uh, Monday because you, especially Sarah, you'll love this top five.
6: Okay, that's um, how
2: much Rick Emerson so you're cares.
6: Gonna, you're going to do it with a fake show on Thursday and Friday, then. So there's going to be a Tim replacing a, tri- a Tim and a Kristen. Replacing I should have you.
2: Kristen just call herself Sarah. So we'll have, you know, okay, I'm, Bruce. I'm Rick Emerson, along with. Sarah and Tim, be, be like a you know be be like Emerson Lake and Palmer, when Palmer left Emerson because Emerson Lake and Palmer is where they got the nickname ELP from. When when Palmer left, they replaced him with a guy named Cozy Powell. So they could keep they they went out and they hired a guy whose name started with P so they could keep the ELP thing, uh, so they could keep the logo the same. Kind of like that CCR thing, Creedence Clearwater revisited. So uh, there you go. Um, yeah. All right. What? Well, all right then. <laughs> okay.
6: Well, well, Tim and I will be here tomorrow.
2: Well, what should we do? We got a couple minutes here, don't we? Do we have some awkward minutes. I suppose. How How many minutes until the end of the program, not counting the break?
6: Um, about nine and a half.
2: So we got nine minutes and a break?
6: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Maybe we should take the break now, come up with something genius during the break, and then fill the last five minutes with it. <laughs> yeah,
8: that, that'll happen. It all right. Will. Let's take
2: a break here. And uh, we'll just come back and with something genius on the other side. I'd like to just end with this.
10: Health department needs to shut them down, is what they need to do.
4: But they can't shut it down. And that means, unless something is changed, Scarberry's legs can go on leaking oozing fluid onto the floor of this bar for years to come.
2: Fantastic. Back after this. <laughs>
9: Maybe Court.
2: Yeah, maybe Court. Definitely anyway. Not that boy. No. Anywho. Uh, hi, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, don't forget, uh, tomorrow and Wednesday, uh, Tim and Sarah will be here. I will not. Uh, so we'll have some exciting, best of segments. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, brand new banter and news and whatnot. So uh, those guys will be here. And then uh, on Thursday, uh will be live for our annual thanksgiving show and will be live Friday as well. All right, we have what like five minutes here, yeah, all right uh, we will now take random phone calls until the end of the hour. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. this is
6: what you came up with
2: five this is this is what I came this up is our with time idea. To the top. yes I'm pinning it all on the audience this is after after spending it really some I don't know what that is six. <laughs> So it's 503 I'm, I'm just waiting
6: for hours for you to say something with an er in it so I could place something.
2: So we will now take random calls All right. to get us to the top of the... Now I can't even think of anything. <laughs> to get us to the top of the... Um, to the Never
6: mind. Uh, um Hey, so look at this person that asked you be my space friend. <laughs> no, I, I can't think of... Tell me who that is. Who is that?
2: Who... Am I really... Sp- it's Matt Peterson. No, it's not.
6: That is No, it's not.
2: You have to post that on your blog. <laughs> that is Seriously. not Matt
6: Peterson. I'm like, Who why is he saying um let's see.
2: He's a he's a dead ringer. He's a what? He's a dead ringer.
1: Do you hear that? It's me whacking it against the desk.
8: That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm so glad to change it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay, you yeah, have to was put a
6: picture. I'm like, why you, does Matt have a secret name? You have Ryan. to put
2: that on your blog. it's that is amazing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Random Caller. Hello.
6: I got something genius
3: for the end of the show. All right, sir. Just give me something random like a t shirt or something.
2: So no? this is your idea of a random callers calling me and asking for something.
8: Oh okay. can I please
6: have something what What is your idea?
3: Just give some random call or something.
2: Oh, I see. You're not willing to trade any idea for this. You just, you the giving of, of something to you is the idea.
3: This is
12: Thanksgiving, and someone has to give, and I'll be thankful. What? Hello? It's, it's, uh, Hello? It's Thanksgiving. Hello?
3: Oh, damn it. We forgot.
2: That yeah,
6: was weird. The phone's been doing that a lot. It's it's really. strange.
3: I can't explain it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Okay, in February of 93, I had a tape for him. Fantastic. Really? Yeah. Did how Did they lose a lot of weight? I'm sorry? Did, did you lose a lot of weight? Did you lose weight, sir? Uh, there was really no weight fluctuation. How uh, did they get it out? How did they? I did.
2: Please tell me how. You,
3: you just want the really quick sanitized version? Yes. Okay. Um, I, w- I was feeling very sick. Didn't want to vomit on the trinet bus. Thank you. Uh, I was 19, didn't really have a place to stay, so I went to my ex-girlfriend's place and said, uh, can I go to your place? I'm really sick. She saw I was in trouble, so I made it up there, vomited uh, for the next couple of hours. I mean, I vomited right when I got in the door. Right. For the next few hours, it was simply uh, defecation, urination, uh, and vomiting, okay. vomiting over and over and over and over again. <laughs> there was nothing. I was racked. I was like in a cold sweat. How did you get rid of the tapeworm? Uh, I'm nine seconds away. Okay, hurry, I was hurry, sitting hurry. I was sitting on the throne due to exhaustion only, but I knew Dude. I'm doing I'm, this I'm, It's a real story, believe it or not, uh, just like it. that coin billboard was real.
2: Okay, thank you. No, no, we have no time. Okay. I,
17: don't, I don't
2: know. Okay. Hi, final call. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey,
17: hey Rick. I was going to
3: I don't know if I can top that, but what I was going to say is that for the last five minutes, you should have just left and did the rest of the show from your cell phone.
2: As I was going home.
6: Bye now. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Great idea, sir. Thank you. Great call. That's a good oh, yeah, way to
6: this end. This
2: is your last show. Yeah. So uh, well, till Thursday. So, um, so uh, yeah, uh, best of tomorrow and Wednesday. Although Tim and Sarah will be here talking and bantering and whimsily doing whatever, and Tim will have uh, new news tomorrow and uh, uh, Wednesday, and then we will be back live on Thursday. Thursday we'll be back live uh, for our annual Thanksgiving program and uh, live on Black Friday as well. So back live on Thanksgiving. Uh, In the meantime, we want to thank Peter Carlin, uh, Adam Klugman. We want to thank uh, Jim Roop and Lisa Desjardins as well. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phone Richie Bristol. Uh, The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. And, of course, the CBS Radio Portland marketing guru is Susan Reynolds, as always, my friend. Don't let bastards grind it down. Uh, Be safe. Thanks for listening. Watch out for tapeworms. We'll see you live on Thursday. Bye now.
6: color I barely knew her I
0: think you don't bother me father